Coming up on this week's episode of Filmology, we are taking a look at the plastic colorful world of Barbie and taking a look at the dull, cynical world of war. Not with Warcraft, but with Oppenheimer. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Filmology. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. Right, everybody, welcome to the show. I am John Galarowitz, also known as Johnny G, over at filmologyshow.com. And on this week's episode of the show, I am joined by Mike and Samantha. Hi. Hi. And I am very excited to talk about what what is this called? Barbenheimer? Is that what this is called? Yeah. I am excited. We're coming to it late. Samantha and I had been traveling. And so kind of now, basically until the end of time, which according to cinemas will probably be the end of August, we're going to be a week behind in our schedule. So just a little housekeeping up front. Uh, so next week, if you guys were listening to the show and you're like, man, I want to hear about Ninja Turtles. You won't be hearing about that. You'll be hearing about the Haunted Mansion and Talk to Me. And then the week after that, the, the week after that, Mike will be happy to talk about Ninja Turtles and we'll be here as well. And he'll also be able to pick that other, whatever that other film is with Ninja Turtles. Oh gosh, a whole Mike show. Should it be a Mike's Movie Minute? Mike's oh, Minute. Should be a Mike's Movie Minute. Too late, Jonathan. I already declared it. That's how, that's how that works. I am, um, <laughs> I am not super excited about ninja turtles but i'm hearing good things so and samantha um i guess to let you know we also have a screening that we could go to tomorrow night but we'll tomorrow night yeah tomorrow night which when everyone's listening to this doesn't matter but no we watched the original ninja turtles movie right yes way back when mike during covid we watched the original teenage mutant ninja turtles movie and you probably loved it and i probably thought it was okay at best is is an Oscar-winning movie, John. So is Suicide Squad, but we don't talk about that. Uh, yeah, that was stupid, both of them. <laughs> wow. All right, well, that's that's not my views on the new Suicide Squad movie, but that's okay. Uh, if you guys do want to hear my thoughts about that Suicide Squad movie, you can head over to filmologyshow.com, where we have past written reviews all the way back to 2013 and past episodes of this very show, as well as, you know, top fives and... Other fun polls, things like that. They're all over, all over at filmologyshow.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Filmology Show, Instagram, Filmology Show, and Threads. We're on Threads, Filmology Show over there as well. We're no longer on Twitter, which has now become X. I think the the whole X rebranding was the kind of my final straw of being done with it. So. Makes me feel happy. Makes me feel a little bit better inside. Still on threads, so I'm not sure if that makes me feel that much better. But, you know, it's okay. Did you say it's we're okay. on Spotify yet? Did you say that yet? Sorry. Uh, I, so when, actually, when not, as of right now, we're not on Spotify. I have to figure out how to get on to Spotify. Because um, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, why aren't you guys on Spotify? And I don't have a reason for that other than I haven't done it. I mean, there's a whole, like, internal thing of, hey, how I changed uh, podcasting hosts 
and the old podcasting hosts used to just automatically put everything on to all the different servers. Uh, and I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing it a different way. But I don't, we don't need to get into the logistics of how I do uh, the website. But uh, I was curious. People keep asking me how to watch this uh, or listen to this, whatever you do with podcasts, I guess. And I was like, I don't know. I just go to the website. So. Uh, yeah, it is It is on podcast, Apple Podcasts, and it's on Google, whatever Google uses Google for their podcast. You say so. it's like every episode. I promise I listen and you talk. I, I do. No, usually I don't talk about the places where you can actually listen to the show because you found the show. I'm assuming that you're listening in some way, shape, or form. And if somehow you're like astral projecting and not listening to the show, like like oh, that's awesome. I would love to be able to do that. But I that's wouldn't. a terrible superpower. Okay, well, like, oh yeah, I can listen to podcasts whenever <laughs> I want. I'd be like, cool, I have a cell phone too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as as somebody who listens to more and more podcasts, like each and every day I, I keep finding new podcasts it's um it's hard like I, me I, too I, i'm all the way up to two podcasts i listen to yeah i'm up to i think 46 a day wow yeah you listen to so many a day well no, i don't listen to that many a day i'm happy if no, i listen that's, to like um, one or two episodes but that's shows mike shows a day he does 46 no, of these just shows like a day? i li- it's just like i listen to two different podcast shows episodes Depends on my mood for how much I average a day. Right now it's between zero and three. I listened to quite a few the other day because I was bored at work and I was like, I'm just going to keep switching through a lot of them. I'm trying to be nice to the people who I work with and we're listening to music now. I but I know your taste in music. I don't know if that's being nice to them or not. <laughs> we, had some, we had some great times vibing out to some 60s music. So we're, we're going through all the decades. By the time everyone's listening to this, we'll be listening to the 70s music at work. When we get to the 2000s, I might want to bash my head against a wall. But it's okay. Music stops for me in the 80s. So That is so not true on so many levels. I think it does. I think for me it stops in the 80s. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Samantha, <laughs> attack you or something? <laughs> yeah. Um... Technical difficulties there. Samantha decided to... Uh, <laughs> To uh, mute my uh, my way of hearing anything, so uh, yeah. Anyway, we're here to talk about Bar- Bar- Barbenheimer. I'm excited. You guys are. Well, I, I think Samantha, you're excited. Mike, I have no idea how you're feeling about this, but hopefully you're enjoying it because this is gonna be a great show. And then, uh, so Barbenheimer and our top five double features tied in with the Barbenheimer, which I think it kind of makes a good double feature. But we'll get to that all in a little bit. Before we get into that, we always talk about things that have inspired us or mo- stories that we want to talk about, put a spotlight on. Samantha's panicking because she forgot about this part I'm of the show. I'm not panicking. But I'm going to talk about my book. I am looking up the author's name. Oh, okay. Uh, Rude. I, I, I have one thing I want to put a spotlight on, and it's basically because we were going to do a show on it, and then that didn't happen. So I, I want to put a spotlight on that. But then... I also want to talk about something that happened when Samantha and I went to a screening of The Haunted Mansion, which is a movie we'll talk about next week. I just want to put this PSA out there for everybody. If you show up to a movie 45 minutes after the showtime and you come in... How how do I put this nicely? You come in smelling like a douchebag, and by that I mean you dumped a whole bottle of cologne on yourself so the whole entire theater could smell you... 
and you come in with your flashlight trying to find your seat when guess what you're 15 I said you came in 45 minutes late because the movie started at 7 we went to an AMC theater they had a half hour of trailers then 15 minutes into the movie 45 minutes so they came in 45 minutes late they have their flashlight out on their phone they're looking everywhere for their seat it's not a sold out theater by a long shot maybe 50% of the way full plenty of seats they can pick the movie has already started and guess what folks they sat right next to me I was already not happy that they came in with their flashlights, being obnoxious, talking while doing it, talking like how I'm talking right now, full volume, no regard to anyone else in that theater, they could care less. And then, on top of that, they decided to text on their phone the entire movie. And when I at first politely asked them to please put away their phone... Their response was, I'm taking a picture of the film for my social. Now, I'm not sure why that makes it better. I don't think it does. I think it makes it worse. Because I don't think the filmmakers want their film being out in the world in that way. Technically, if we want to get into the nitty gritty of it, you're stealing their film. And Samantha, you look like you're puzzled by that. I mean, all I would say is if you want to take a picture, maybe do it by the posters in the hallways. I think that's fine. Say, hey, I was at this, like we did for Barbie, like on the Facebook page, if you go ahead over to that, like we were at an early screen of that, and I put a picture up and said, hey, spoiler alert, you love this movie. I think that's fine. Even, like, let's say if you want to take a picture during the credits, that's, like, at the end of the day, like the lights are already coming up, no one's in there, it's fine. Well, no one's in there usually besides you and I, because we watch all the credits, but to finish my story... The guy then was saying how confused he was by things that happened in the film. Now, we'll get more into this next week when we talk about The Haunted Mansion, but it's not a complicated film to follow. It's a pretty straightforward film, and the fact that you were confused about it because you were on your phone the entire time? I'm sorry, you paid $18.00. To just disrupt the theater experience for everyone in that room who wasn't you. There's a special place in hell for you, and I hope you find it. It's $18 a movie ticket where you are? Holy cow. It was for that theater, but we also use um, a subscription service to make it cheaper for us since we go to so many. It was $18 at the Dolby. It was at the Dolby because I wanted to see this. I mean, watching like a good, like, not good, but... Watching like a film that has a lot of dark colors in it, a lot of th- scenes that take place at night, seeing things in the Dolby works a lot better for me, um, which I noticed a lot actually watching the trailer because I saw Barbie uh, after after the Haunted Ma- after seeing Haunted Mansion and I saw the trailer for Haunted Mansion while watching Barbie, and I was like, man, this trailer in a, just a normal theater doesn't look as good as it does in the Dolby. So, th- but that's a whole different thing. I don't need to give. Product placement to great theaters, even though I think the Dolby experience is good. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Dobby, by the way. I just watched the movie. Dobby. Dobby. Okay. In the Dobby with, with the socks. I gotcha. Okay. Um, well, I thought it was funny. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so look, I, I, guys, 100%. Like, is, is, there, is there any reason why people should be on their phone during a movie? At a theater. Like, if you're at your house, whatever. Fine, I get that. You have your whole second screen experience. I get that. But is there any reason 
like if you have a family emergency, like for me, if I I have like certain notifications that will go through my phone if there's an emergency, like it, it, my phone will vibrate. And if it continues to vibrate nonstop, I'll get up and leave the theater, take the call, whatever happens there. But when did common courtesy just completely f- fall flat? And I, I am completely spoiled, like uh, Samantha, when we go to screens and stuff like that, or when we go to the Alamo Draft House, we don't have these problems. So I, I hate to be like, oh, okay, when we go with like common people to the theater. And for the most part, I would like to say that people aren't this weird. There are a lot more people on their phones at regular theaters. I don't think any director or actor or screenwriter or anyone involved with the film would be happy to hear that. I don't think anyone would be happy to see, ooh, this person wasn't watching my film. They just showed up, grabbed the screenshot of whatever. I don't know when he took a screenshot. He didn't take a screenshot. He wanted it as an excuse to somehow make me feel better he was on his phone. He didn't take a picture. He just sat with his screen, the screen in front of his face at full brightness. I, maybe he was scared of the Haunted Mansion. I don't know. Samantha, you're, you're looking at me like I should be nice to this person. I don't think I should. No, I'm just saying, why don't you say something more positive as more your actual po- inspiration? More positive. Something inspired me, Jonathan, not depressed me or making me sad. Obviously, I, I can't say yes, press screenings. I can't say that's the answer for everybody. But the, the more and more I think about going to... Uh, Places like the Alamo Draft House, or even let's say like when we went to the Trialon Theater, which was showing a movie that came out in 1950 that I could just pull up and watch anytime here at my house. But people were respectful because they were like, "Okay, this is a movie I can't see like ever because it came out in 1950." But they were respectful of it. They'd be they want like go to those places. As much as I like enjoy going to the AMC theaters or Marcus theaters or Regal like Cinemark, what have you, because I I want to keep the theaters in business. If they don't care about a the theatrical experience or the people who, like myself, are I hate to say like the more repeat customers than the the person who's going to show up because it's a hundred degrees outside today. Be positive. Go support your local mom and pop chains i guarantee that they'll care about what you have to say if the experience is bad they're gonna want to make it good for you because you're this you're there there excuse me a smaller complex they need your business the that ams the being completely honest here samantha amc does not care about the theatrical experience. They care about how much concessions they can sell. They care about how much $65 popcorn buckets they can shove onto you. But they don't care about the actual experience of the movie. Long story short, don't text in the theater. There is a special place in hell for you. You will find that inner circle of hell. And it's going to just be somebody shoving a phone in your face every time you're trying to sleep. And I'm excited for them to all make it there sometime. It's going to be great. Great for, great, great for me, not for them. But uh, the actual thing that I want to talk about that has inspired me like, and made me happy and love cinema, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We were going to review it. It just didn't happen for a lot of different reasons. Time just really hasn't been there for us. And uh, usually when we don't like to do a podcast, we don't like to just do one movie. So we haven't really had time to watch The 13 Assassins, which was the other film. And at some point we'll get to that, but not anytime soon. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I I mean, Samantha, when we were talking about, like, we'll talk a lot about this same fact, actually, a lot for these two films we're going to be talking about today. But 
things that feel practical and real just have a lot like a harder punch to it even like, like that's why like those john wick movies while the fourth one was over long for me i still enjoyed it had a great time because it feels like real in a sense like i'm watching these stunts happen i'm watching just these over-the-top things happen and it feels real now of course like if it happened in real life i'd be terrified of like that the whole train sequence and everything but um and, and like watching watching uh mission impossible dead reckoning part one it made me think of our eagle eye conversation with talking about double features eagle eye and mission impossible dead reckoning part one wouldn't make a great double feature. Just the whole talk about technology, AI, where's it going, surveillance, everything like that. Now, the one really bad part about Dead, uh, Dead Reckoning is it's a part one. And it's a, it's like, what, two hours and 40 minutes? Yeah, it's a long. I don't know if it justifies that length. I mean, I, I can't speak to that, really, until we see part two. And I hate to be like a Debbie Downer, but I feel like... It's not a when we see part two. I hate to say it, like it's starting to feel like a if we see part two. Now that's not just because of the writer's strike. That's not just because of the the actor's strike. That's because this movie came out and did kind of nothing at the box office. Had a good opening weekend, and now it's just dropped like a rock. While everyone's like, "Oh, Barbenheimer, it's saving movie theaters." Not really. It's saving Warner Brothers and Universal. But that's about it. Like, if you're Paramount, you kind of got completely screwed over because you don't have a single IMAX. You don't have a single big screen theater. Oppenheimer has taken over all of those. So you're kind of left to those little tiny theaters. And, like, if I'm going to an action movie, I don't like, I would like to see it on the biggest screen possible. So I get why Tom Cruise is upset. That's not me, like, throwing shade at Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer because I think that's, like, visually, that's a fantastic film. Uh, but it, it just kind of feels sad. But guys, really, if you want to see a great action movie, Mission Impossible, like that series, since it hit number four, four, five, six, and now seven, all of them are great films. You will have a fun time at the theater. Like there's a lot more comedy in it than I was expecting. And it's just, it's smart. Like I, I like smart movies. And I think that's like why I'm actually really excited to continue the show today is because i'm excited to talk about the films that we're talking about they're all smart they're all great so let's continue to support other great films like mission impossible because i would love to have like selfishly i want to have another one so but it needs to make money because if it doesn't make money then you know big whoop samantha what has inspired you this past like couple weeks so i ended up joining an online book club and it's kind of also a book of the month club and it's called the feminist book club their tagline is bringing together intersectional feminist readers to f up systems of repression since 2018 so i mean if that doesn't start to grab you i don't i don't know what will but i met them at a couple different fairs and festivals and got really enthralled and ended up going for it and they have various levels of commitment to their thing you know the cheapest one is you just go and join their online discussion and they bring in authors to talk about their books they have a podcast they have different things like that I don't know I'm having a great time but I did want to mention the first book I got from them it's called While We Were Dating by Jasmine Gulleroy 
And it, it seems like Jasmine has actually written quite a few books, but this is the first I've ever heard of her, so that's interesting to me. She is a romance author, and this one is about this strong, powerful black woman who is rising to fame, and she's trying to figure out how to further her career and get some awards and get ahead and and insert herself into places that aren't exactly welcoming yet and all this stuff. At the same time, she's falling in love with um, her ad campaign manager who is very sensitive and takes care of her. And It's actually pretty refreshing of a romance story in my opinion because I feel like a lot of the times the roles are reversed. And so I've been having a great time reading this book and I'm almost finished and I, I just really love it. So I highly recommend it if you like romance books like that. I don't, I don't read romance, but I, I mean, I, I obviously I love the femin the feminist book club. Yeah, I'm I'm really into it. They um, I signed up for a physical book, so they send me a book once a month, and then it comes with a couple other little goodies, like came with a cookie that I don't know if I had to find myself. It was a bad cookie. I'm sorry. Some body wash that I am digging, and um. Like a little bracelet that said unapologetic. And it's, yeah, it sounds like every month I'll get something along those lines where it's just like the book, little goodies, some podcast episodes to listen to, and some reader-writer discussions to go to. And I've been having a good time with it. I'm sorry. The, the, I was like, John, all I have to say is you talked for 18 minutes and mine was about four to five. <laughs> I was I very upset about people texting in movie theaters. Yeah, and I really love the feminist book club. I also feel like you talk about that like every couple months. About people texting in movie theaters, I probably <laughs> yes. do because it keeps. We definitely talked about this before. <laughs> it's because it probably keeps getting worse and worse, and I keep like it does keep happening. Yes, and I like when I once again when I go to things like the Alamo Draft House, I don't have to worry about it. I mean, I, mean, I do, but. They'll actively kick people out. So, or if they don't, then they'll be like, "Here you go. Sorry, you had a bad experience. Your your dinner, we comped it up. We comped it." I think like they know they have at least good customer service versus the AMC that can't even keep their lobby clean. Is it AMC going under again? Like they had a brief, like, resprite or whatever, and now they're struggling again. Look, I don't, I don't want to just say it's AMC. I think every single theater company is probably looking bad smith and i've been talking a lot about the writer's strike the actor's strike and really quick i, I just want to point out there to everybody i am in full support of the actors and the writers and what they are trying to get from these hollywood systems the, the hollywood uh, studios so while it, it's on one hand really kind of bad for me because i like to go to the movies and i like to see them on the big screen and we just had one of the biggest weekends and movie history with barbenheimer that gave everyone this kind of false hope that movie theaters are going to be like yes yeah, thriving again and now they're going to be kind of uh going back to the way it was during covid being like all right we have nothing to show we're either going to shut down or we're gonna bring revival films back i i think that does work like i mean not to go on another 18 minute rant here but like the Alamo Draft House has like movie parties where they show older films. Like I, I would, 
I went to a sold out screen. Uh, I went to a sold out screening of Jaws, a film that came out in nineteen seventy five. They show it every like every year in the month of July, but sold out every single seat, and there was a, a movie party. So people were quoting along, people were clapping during certain parts when things happened, like that that kind of stuff. When you're like vibing with the movie and having fun with it, is fine with me. Nobody was like on their phone texting about, hey, um, what's for dinner? What am I putting on my social? Hey, why'd you want to follow me? N- nothing like that. It was just like a good time. And I think that the, the, those are the ways that we bring people back to theaters. Uh, anyway, Mike, what has inspired you over these past couple weeks? John, how long have we been doing this podcast together for, Jonathan? Quite a while now, eh? Guess what, guess what I did for the first time last week? What? I listened to the podcast. Oh, it was pretty good. I'm impressed. Which episode did you listen to, Mike? Um. Well, first, Jonathan, we have to talk about how much we're posting again. Um. But I listened to the newest one that was on the website. I believe it was. I'll look real quick. It was just up. Um, it's gonna be Transformers. The Notting Hill it's one. It's gonna be Transformers when you look. The Notting Hill. Which Notting Hill would be Super Mario Brothers. Oh. Yeah, that one. Because I remember Jonathan's rant about that article some person posted. Yeah, listen to that one, because it was the newest one. But, yeah, it was good. I was inspired to do a good job this week because of it. Well, Mike, good job, Jonathan. you'll be happy to know that since that one, we've posted two more. Well, no, I mean, the Filmology Revisited was a, a conversation that we had a long time ago about the Evil Dead. Okay. We, well, we just posted one new one, Mike. You're welcome. Which what? I know. I saw. It. I looked on the <laughs> Google thing to see if I could find us. But yeah. correct, and it's uh, uh, I it's an episode that you weren't even on, so you can you can listen yeah. to that. You can have a great time. I wasn't on the Evil Dead one. No, um, you weren't on uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Oh wait, yeah, I watched that movie. Why did I? Watch? Oh, I skipped because I was I had to do something else probably. You, you can you can go and listen to that. Uh, you can hear me. No, I'm never gonna try to remember that movie ever again. Well, it's okay. I, I I can't remember it now, and I saw it a couple months ago. Not even a couple months ago, like a, like a month ago. You should probably just edit this part out so no one else has to think about it. There's no more Rise of the Beast. That was. I mean, it made money. Like it's not like a film that came out and did poorly. Yeah, but it made me sad that I wasted two and a half hours watching that. Not great. It is right. It is. Right above the f- six hours you made me wa- waste watching the Justice League or whatever Schneider cut it was, it, it goes. Things I regret doing with my life: watching the Justice League extended cut and watching Rise of the Beasts. That's it. Wow, it's pretty good. Well, we could talk. It gets it, it gets darker after that, but I don't think we want to get into that. <laughs> okay. All right. So Mike recommends listening to our podcast that he's actively on right now. So that's uh, a a good meta self patting on the back i guess i'm not sure what that is but okay okay that's i did a great job i was amazing i also sound really weird um i hope i don't sound like that in real life if i do i am so sorry everybody it's okay mike i'm still proud of you you get a gold star thank you and when this one gets posted uh i will listen to that one because i'm curious how long that 18 minute rant turns into <laughs> 15 minutes. yeah probably about 15 minutes still it's probably still gonna be a long rant but uh it depends do- on who has who edits it? It's very true. If, it, if, if, <laughs> if, I, if I'm the one who's editing it, it's about 15 minutes. If Samantha's editing, it'll be about two. So, no, I'll give you at least eight. <laughs> it's just Jonathan going, I don't like people texting, and we move on. 
That does sound about right if Samantha's going to edit it. Um, anyway, you mentioned Zack Snyder's... Really quick, really quick. Let's get into this really quick. Before we get going here, I want to I want to pose a question to everybody. I want to come back at the end to talk about it. When we talk about double features. We'll talk about it at the top five double, fe- double features part of the show. But we have Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like... Just think about which order you would watch those in. And we'll get back to that at the end of the show to talk about which one you would prefer to watch first and which one you would like second and why. But, Mike, you mentioned Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, that made me think of Barbie right away. So let's roll a trailer here for Barbie and just... Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. That is the plot synopsis for the 2023 film Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. Samantha, I'm going to let you start. Just because I know that you enjoy this film more, but... He's like, I'm going to let you start on the high note so that Mike and I can just tear it to pieces after. I don't think Sound that's what I don't think I'm going to tear it to pieces. Like, yeah. you, like you, like, you I've already combated your one point you have. You personally know about my negative to this film. Mike does not. But the big reason why I'm saying, okay, Samantha, you should start first. Looking at the IP of Barbie. I've never played with a Barbie. I have no real interest in playing with a Barbie. My only actual experience with Barbie, other than I work at a place that sells Barbies, and I've seen the Barbie Nutcracker because of my sister, but other than that, I don't have any, like, to me, it's Barbie, G.I. Joe. Like, I get to the different demographics, but at the end of the day, like, I know, and I know I'm going to find a lot of people here that are the same thing. It's a doll. I don't really care. <laughs> my question to you what is your what what was your experience with the Barbie brand and did that lead to did that lead to higher higher expectations walking into this film or did you just go yeah okay I played with the Barbies I don't really care about that I just wanted to have a good film like where are you at on that and what what did you think of the film so growing up I did play with Barbies uh I wasn't I wasn't all in on them if that makes sense like I definitely know some people who are like Barbie is my life and always will be, but I had a couple of hand-me-down dolls and a hand-me-down car that I love to play with. I actually was discussing this with my mom, and I apparently never really drove the car anywhere. I just had them sit in the car and have elaborate conversations in and around the car, (laughs) which I think is pretty amusing to me. (laughs) Um, I distinctly remember not being able to have the Barbie dream house and so we built our own out of cardboard and different like carpet samples and things so that was pretty fun 
And I did have the pooping dog one, which I did also love because it was a dog. It was weird though, yes. I also did watch a couple of the movies as well, but I feel like... I feel like I just wanted a good movie, and I was worried that they were going to mess it up, if that makes sense. Like, live-action Barbie doesn't exactly scream the person I am today. What What do you mean by that? Like, you're not stereotypical Barbie, or...? Not stereotypical Barbie. Just, like, when you think of Barbie before this movie, you think of the pink, you think of the blonde, you think of you know, parties and glitter. And beach. And beach. And beach. And beach. Yeah. yeah. And you think of, you know, just like playing dolls. And so you're like a live action Barbie. Is this just the same movies that I watched growing up, but now there's actors there? But, you know, even with the trailer not alluding to the whole themes of the movie, I still think it looked like it could be interesting. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, like, I, I guess I want to ask one more, one more question before I ask. Okay, what did you actually think of the film? Do Do we actually live in a world where people? I I, I already think I know the answer to this, but before I'm going to ask it, but all the same, uh, do we do we live in a world where people do think that Barbie has quote unquote solved all female problems? Like, is there anybody out there who actively feels that way? I mean, maybe people at Mattel do for like five seconds when they see the money coming in for all these different Barbies that they're selling, but... No, I I don't think pretty much anyone has thought that. Even females working at Mattel. Not that I know their minds or anything, but I'm just saying that I almost feel like it's almost felt the line that was delivered that way almost felt like a backhanded compliment. You know, like, oh... You look really good today, unlike normal, where you're just like, ow, that hurt, <laughs> you know? So it almost felt like they said it to to make a jab. Yeah, it was sarcastic. I, I, I got that, but, he, but like, look, I, I come from the world of Hollywood, L.A., like th- those people, and in my head, I keep, like, like big picture this doesn't have anything to do with barbie really but i, I go back to that uh green book best picture win or uh driving miss daisy best picture win, or let's even be more like like get out of the world of movies here for a second obama winning the presidency everyone's like oh racism solved not really no we haven't done anything that's like a little step up on this big roadblock that we have so I, like that's why i'm saying like i do i do feel like there might be people who do think that misguidedly think that barbie because there's all these different jobs that barbie has all these di- different uh skin colors that barbie now has which i feel like i got it took us a long time to get to that point but once again the world goes slow but i, I just i sadly feel people do feel that way i suppose i see what you're saying but the thing i would tell you is if you ask you know someone with darker skin saying, hey, since Obama was president, do you think it's solved? They're going to say, no, I think we have a long way to go. So it's almost like if you're on the other side of it, maybe you get those misguided ideals because you don't see it in everyday life. So when something makes a step forward, you're just like, ah, that must be the finish line because you don't see the full picture. I mean, fair enough. And once again, I, I am very much a white male who 
we don't need to get into like overly politics, but if, once again, if you've listened to the show, you know which way I lean. And if you read my review, and if you're gonna hear this conversation about Barbie, you'll know which way I'm leaning. Um, I'm not saying that that solved racism. I I don't think that did. Obviously, I we live on the outskirts of Minneapolis. We 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 know that we're nowhere close to being done with that battle, that fight, but. Anyway, I don't think we need to go down that dark of a path here, but I do think we'll go down some more interesting conversations with Barbie. Uh, so, Samantha, what did you overall think of the film? I loved it. It's my new comfort movie. The minute it is available at home, I will be rewatching it almost every night for a month, as far as I can tell, because that's how much I love it. I've been to it twice, and I am going again this upcoming week. I absolutely love it. I never expected it to be so bold and call out so many things but I am so happy it did because I definitely felt heard and I felt like I had a community and I just loved it I feel like it's hard to talk about the Ken part without talking about the ending so I don't know if I should talk about Ken's that much well I definitely want to talk about Ken but I don't want to talk about the end end of, of the film I will say that if you watch the entire thing I personally think the Kens have a good message to take away as well it's just this is definitely a movie for Barbies, for girls, for f- female appearance. John's shaking his head now. No, I, I, uh, no, like, I, I also I, want you to know that I'm absolutely obsessed and I adore Alan. It is the best non-binary character that I've seen in a while. And he doesn't quite fit in either box and ends up siding with the Barbies, I'm pretty sure, because... Since he doesn't quite fit and the Barbies no longer fit, that he's just like, I'm going with you guys. You know what I mean? I th- I, I'm, I'm, go ahead, Mike. I'm not saying he's not. Sorry. I'm just curious why you think he's non-binary. I didn't but, think about his sexuality at all during the movie. I just thought he was like a off-brand Ken type thing. The reason I feel like he's non-binary is because a lot of the movie is gender politics and discussing discussing like feminism and the patriarchy matriarchy all sorts of things like that it's touching on all of that but he's not really on either side so he's not on the guy side he's not on the girl side he's just kind of somewhere in between and a little awkward and i feel like that's the non-binary character just because he doesn't fit in either box perfectly are you saying that because of no i I, i'm not trying to be rude to Michael Sarah here, but are you saying that because of how he looks in the film, or are you say that no. because of how he acts? Because... Like for example, when the Kens take over Barbie Land, yeah, he's not hanging out in his own Mojo Dojo Casa house. It's because he's not a Ken. He's not a Ken. He's an Alan. He's different. I, 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 he's I, he's being put into like servitude, just like the the women are. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Kind of. I mean, he's still just. He's just kind of there. He's not really doing much. I, I kind of want to table this, but I don't want to because I don't want to lose lose the, the where we're at. It, it might be there in the film, but I don't think that's... How do I put this? I don't believe that's the text of the film. I believe that's something that you might be taking away, but I don't think that's what the film is saying. Like, I feel that... Like, let me put this this way. I also, like, going back to... 
something like uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, why didn't the film come out and say that Gwen, uh, Spider-Gwen was trans? And I'm like, where'd you get that from? That's not in this film at all. That's not the text of this film. That's you reading something into it. But that's not what this film is saying whatsoever. That's not, not me saying, okay, I don't want that to be the case, but that's not what the film is saying. Now, I think that the whole point of Alan was just basically a, hey, it's an off-brand can, it's a one-off, it's a joke. Kind of like the, what was it, the Marge? I guess my Mar- question is, is how much of this movie did you think was intentional? Because I feel like a lot of it was intentional. I feel like a lot of it is intentional, but I also feel like Mattel is holding hands saying like, hey, we have all these other products other than Barbie. Like, can you just mention that they were there? Or maybe Greta Gerwig, when she was writing the script with her, hus- uh, her, not her husband, but her partner, Nora Baumbach. They were like, okay, we like this, these meta jokes, but you like to point out these things that are one-offs that don't... That, don't really matter like the whole uh like i mean if you wanted to get into things like that then i don't know why we didn't talk about like talk about the weirder barbies that show up for two seconds like there could be a whole subplot about those characters or some more intellectual thoughts about those characters but i I don't think that that's in this film that's not text in this film they're they're just there for a one-off joke like the, the Barbie with the camera in the back, the Barbie with with when you like put push her or push her arms, her boobs grow bigger. Like there could be a lot of I mean weird conversations to have about those characters, which I think that this film is smart enough to do, but it doesn't do it. I think that's what I'm saying. Okay. So I agree with what you're taking from the film, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying I don't believe that is in the text of this script. Well, are you asking me about the text of the script, or are you asking about me, my thoughts on the movie? You can have it both ways. Because but... my thoughts on the movie is that Alan's non-binary. Okay, which I think is fine. I think that those are your, your thoughts that you can have on the film. I'm not trying to take away your thoughts or feelings in the film. I'm just personally saying I never thought that while watching the film. Okay. So, and, and I'm trying to say, like, why I felt that way. Same thing, once again, same thing for Spider-Verse. I never, I never thought, and I guess that's because I also know the comics... That Gwen was a trans person, like that. That never came across my mind until I was talking to uh, friends at work who are in the trans community who are transgender, and they were talking about that representation. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be rude to these to these people because I, I am friends with them, and I don't want to be like rude. But I, I I almost promised them that the people at Sony didn't think about that at all. Like that was not on their mind, and. Like I think I think Greta and Noah are progressive enough with their their with their viewpoint that yes they could have put Alan in there as that maybe I I don't know I don't know like I would love to hear Greta herself talk about it because I mean she she's been out there doing a whole bunch of talking because it's doing well it's well <laughs> it's doing it's doing well and none none of the other actors can talk about it and I mean Greta's very interesting to listen to and talk to anyway. So the fact that she can go go out there and actually promote the film herself was kind of nice instead of having you know, Margot uh, Margot Robbie, which nothing against Margot Robbie, and uh, Ryan Gosling on every single talk show. It's just nice to hear like the person who wrote the movie, the person who directed the movie, talk about hey, this is why we did these things, versus an actor saying okay, this is why I chose to go around this this route with it. And I'm like, well, okay, you already had the script, they already guided you in that way. So I, I'd rather hear it from that person. Um, I feel like we've been talking way too long and haven't gotten into a lot of other things about this film. But, uh, Mike, I, I even asked you, did you play with Barbies? Yeah, I played as I played as Barbies. With a, or I didn't play as Barbie. 
I played with Barbies. I had a little sister, and she had like the camper thing and like the pink convertible thing, and we played sometimes. It wasn't like a big part. I'm like, oh my god, let's go play Barbies. But if she wanted to, sometimes I would. That's cute. Thank you. We also played Pretty Pretty Princess. Um, I won. I was the prettiest princess. <laughs> I didn't long. know there was a, a <laughs> contest for a prettiest, prettiest princess. Wow. We are going to play Pretty Pretty Princess. Oh. It's a board game, Jonathan. I'm going to track one down. I'm oh, pretty, pretty. Wait, I think I've played that. Let me look up a picture of it and I'll let you know. I thought, we're just, I thought this okay. was a weird thing. Okay, so while she does that, Mike, what did you think of the film overall? I I thought the film was effing brilliant. I, I censored myself. You should be proud. Um, I thought it was brilliant. It was fantastic. It was, I watched this one after I watched Oppenheimer. Spoiler alert. And it was the best movie I've seen this year. And if not for a very long time, I kind of disagree with what you said about those weird, weird Barbies. You called them weird um, in the background. I think they were part of the commentary about how Mattel's executives think they're fixing everything. But then they release a Barbie that's boobs grow bigger uh, when you raise her arm um, and how like they pushed aside the pregnant Barbie, even though like most women end up pregnant and they shouldn't be pushed aside. I don't know. Um, really quick, I just I, I, I want to touch on the, the 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 pregnant Barbie. The reason why that doll was discontinued was because they had magnets in the stomach, like it had the magnet that connected the belly and everything. So I, I would like to point oh, out that so she could be pregnant or not pregnant. I, correct. I want to. That's I, cute. I, I want to point out and that, random. But I, that's why it was discontinued it was because kids kept swallowing the magnets. Oh, it was okay. not because of. Hey, there's a pregnant Barbie. I mean, that's not what they say. They're just like, she's weird, she's pregnant. C- correct. They're making a joke about it in, yeah. in the actual film. But in real life, it was discontinued because of magnets. Okay. So I just, like, the, kind, kind of the same. loose magnets? How are kids eating? Well, the belly can come I mean, off, so they were eating. The oh, my gosh. They were eating the pregnant belly? The belly? Ah! Those kids are effed up. Those are the future serial killers of America right Terrifying. now. Terrifying. We should track those kids so, down and see um, Yeah, so once again, like, kind of what we'll also get into later with Oppenheimer, there's a difference between real life and then the world that the, the film is making up. So I just want to point it out there that, yeah, I think it's a funny joke. I think it, I agree with the point that you're making there, but I want to also point out into the world that there is an actual, in my opinion, good reason why that doll was canceled. Well, this says it was removed from Walmart shelves because they thought it was promoting teen pregnancy with Alan. Alan and Midge? I had no idea. The gossip. That's what this says. I don't know. I, I was curious. I was. I don't thought I don't trust you, Jonathan, but I don't trust anybody. I mean, <laughs> it up too. I, I, I'm just going by, by with what I heard from sources in the toy community. So my sources in the toy community could be wrong. I don't need to get into my toy politics of how I have too many friends and myself included that still collect action figures that stand boxes. Um, well, she's been released multiple times, apparently, so maybe one of them got discontinued for whatever, and then I'm sure Walmart removing it from a shelf destroyed sales. What was I saying? I lost track of what I was saying. You, you, you were talking about how you disagreed with me and that those characters did serve a point in the movie. Yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say after that anymore. It was a fantastic movie, though. I absolutely loved it. I thought the script was fantastic. Um, it was hilarious. It kind of made me tear up in the end. I did go by myself, which I normally watch movies by myself because I don't work Fridays. So I go like during the day when everyone's at work or you know doing their own thing. Me and the senior citizens on Friday, since there's a discount at my cool theater, have bonded quite a bit, I think. Um, that's great. Um, but 
Uh, the movie, the one I went to was actually a little later than day, and it was filled with all women. Um, it was an interesting experience, not all women, but like 90% women. It was an interesting experience being the minority and having this topic coming up, but I thought it was a good experience to have, and I think the movie themes would agree with that. Yeah, but overall, I don't, I can't think of a single part where I didn't, I didn't like in Barbie. Yeah, once again, my viewpoint, I didn't play with Barbie when Barbie was weren't really my thing, but I am a fan of Greta Gerwig. Like, her other two big films, I adore. Lady Bird, Little Women are probably, like, two films that are easily in my... T- not probably. They're two films that are easily in my top 100 films of all time. I adore those films. Little Women in particular, like, the more and more I go back to that film, the more and more I just love it. I, I think I probably... Actually, out of the three of us, I think I walked in probably the most excited... Like, Samantha, I think you were interested, but not, like, over the moon, like, okay, this is going to be great. Am I, am I wrong there? The, the face that you're giving me makes it look like I'm wrong. Well, I think I was thinking about the second time walking in. Um, The first time walking in, like I told you, I was nervous that they were going to not be what they were. So I was like, mm, okay, I'll try. But, the, like, the thing which I like about this movie... And, and I mentioned it to you, I've, I've mentioned it to basically everybody who I've talked to about Barbie, is this is the exact opposite of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Which is a movie that, like, both movies we can make the claim are aimed at kids. And now I know I'm going to get a whole bunch of people who are like, oh, the Barbie movie is PG-13. Look, I promise you, your kid's watching a lot worse things than the Barbie movie. I agree with that, actually. So... I agree they're watching worse things, but this is not targeted towards children. I have had so... I have... Yeah. I know. See, the, I, I have... I kind of agree with Mike. But I've seen the movie twice now, as, as you have, Samantha. Yeah. And that second time I went... Not the first time. The first time we went to a, a quote-unquote party screening of the film, which had a lot of people, like, all... Like... <laughs> um, I made I made this... Uh, I told people the first time that we saw that movie, Samantha, the vibe in that theater... Like, the only other time that I've felt that vibe, personally, was for Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And this, like, if we're calling this, like, the female representation of Avengers Endgame, I'm all for that. I want you to know, after the second showing, I went with my mom and my younger sibling, and when we walked outside, there was, you know, a bunch of pink-dressed people around waiting for rides and, and things, and... We overheard a conversation where they're just like, "Why don't? Why doesn't every Marvel movie feel like this? Why? Like this is our end game. Like they were talking like that, and I was just like, "Wow." No, obviously I disagree with, with, with oh, that. Yes, I, think, I know you. I, I I think that there is not as great as there should be, but there is good representation, female representation lately in the Marvel content that comes out. Yeah. Uh, not when it first started. But uh, I'm but, just saying that what you said is 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 literally how. We heard some of the other people feeling. And uh, look, I loved ninety percent of this movie. Samantha's already like on the. I'm ready. The, she's on the edge of her seat, ready to attack me for I'm the thing ready. I didn't like about the film. But let me talk about the things that I did like about this film first, Samantha. Before you get ready to pounce on me, <laughs> I just already have debated this with you, so I'm ready for uh, my answer. I the, the the thing that I think I like the most in this film was the production design of Barbie Land. Like, the whole artificial and, like, artificial yet 
like real because it's all it's, these are real sets, and when when they're doing that like the the montage or the travel to the real world from Barbie. That's so from cute. Land, the fact that that's actually like they actually like did those. They they it's not like they made little sets for them and it's like that. That that's the stuff that comes from somebody who. I mean, A, she cares about what she's doing. Greta Gerwig, I mean, if you're watching other films, she cares about stories. She cares about telling uh, female empowerment. She they, This this film is, like, in her DNA to make. and But she also cares about, like, she cares about cinema. She cares about, like, keeping it alive. And small things like that, instead of just doing it with CGI, like, we've, we, I keep talking about all the time how, like, important it is to have things that feel authentic and real because it's just going to be more awe-inspiring more moving just and that, that's what so much of this movie is and that production design done by uh sarah greenwood i mean barbie land i i, I can't I, I i kept going like man I, I, like i Samantha, when we went in la earlier this year walking walking through some sets i was like man if they had a set like this like that you could walk through like i i, I can't imagine just how like I mean, A, you'd be a little weird out because you're like, oh, why is it so much smaller and everything than it seems in the film? But the, just being able to walk through that, that what, I'm, I'm serious. Like, if Warner Brothers opened up a part of their studio and said, this is the Barbie land, like, experience, I, I, I would be like, let's go right now. Let's go. Like, I want to step in this world. It looks so... Like, Technicolor, amazing. And, and that's, that's coming from somebody who, like... I don't like love the color pink. It's not something that I like, but it represents this world and this movie so well that I'm like, man, I, I, I want to keep going back. And that's like, those are the aspects of this movie that work so well for me is everything in Barbie land, everything in Barbie land, the opening, the, the, to the opening act, the closing act, those things work spectacularly. Loved it. But the thing that doesn't overly work for me now is the stuff in the real world. Mainly, this stuff that deals with Will Ferrell's character as the CEO of Mattel. Every other character in this film, I shouldn't say every other character, the majority of the characters in this film have a through line with their story. They have growth, development, they come to a resolution. Will Ferrell's character doesn't have that. It kind of feels... Like somebody who's just there to make the story move. But doesn't actually serve a purpose. Which to me then goes, okay, could we have come up with something better? Like, I, I, I actually, I, let me rephrase it. I, I think this entire movie could have still happened without Will Ferrell. I think there's some funny jokes. But I don't think that overall helps the movie itself. Samantha, you keep wanting, you're, ch- you're chomping at the bit. I'll let you go. <laughs> All I wanted to say to that is a lot of this movie is showing women's lives and the things that they have to deal with in in life with patriarchy themes and different things in in motherhood in their hobbies and their daily life and Will Farrell Farrell is a representation of some of the stuff that can happen at work and I feel like he has to be there to give you some of that idea if they're doing the full complete life of a female in the different life stages and everything which i agree with what you're saying but this is where i'm going okay 
the film doesn't do enough with that because the things that happen in the Mattel offices are still cartoonish. Yeah. So the fact that you're like, oh, we're in the real, real world. I'm like, I don't think we are. Like when, when we were at the beach, like the, the real life beach, I'm like, no, the way that people are reacting there, that's definitely real world. Beach. Yeah. Well, not beach in Barbie Land, but yeah. beach in L.A. Yeah, they're trying to beach them off. Yeah, and um, gonna have to censor that later. Jeez. <laughs> sorry, but, sorry, but, but that, kids. But, but that, it, it, that was like the one more, the one point of the film where I'm like, okay, like you want to have your cake and you eat it too. It's not working for me at this aspect. Every other aspect of this film, I love. But that one, that one thing, and I get what you're saying. I just don't think it worked enough for me. Here's here's my rebuttal. What I would say to that is the reason that Mattel kind of also felt like not quite a real place, but kind of a real place, is I would say it is technically the bridge between actual Barbies and the real world because they are creating the Barbies, if you will, and you know putting them on the shelves for kids to have, and that's. Once a Barbie's connected to their child, they're connected. I disagree. So I'd say they're no, the bridge. I disagree with that because the, the the logic of this film is saying that the Barbie land is what's creating the Barbies. The Mojo Jojo Casa House, whatever that is. Then how did they ever get involved to selling Barbies? I don't know. The film doesn't tell me that. <laughs> like Maybe they magically stumbled upon Barbie land one day. I don't know. Here's the thing, because... though. Even that sweet little Ruth, little old lady Ruth, was like, I made the first Barbie. And they talk about how she's the creator. Okay. So it, how did she create it if she's... Is she a Barbie? Uh, look, the, the character... I was like, you're going down a rabbit hole, that, bud. No, but I, I, maybe I am going down a rabbit hole, but the film opens up these questions that I think... Yeah. Because of that character showing up in the film. Yeah. And once again, uh, I, I'd like to point out that that is a character that is... Because I've had people also come up to me and be like, oh, isn't that the real creator of Barbie? No, that's not. She has died. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, like ruin people's hopes and dreams that's not the real creator of barbie it would be really cute if it was um the thing i gotta tell you though is they had that whole thing where it was is barbie the one who's changing or is it the girl who was playing with her who's changing her so they do open up those ideas yeah will ferris character and the whole board is obviously making fun of mattel too since a lot of the criticism is they are basically just making a doll that just objectifying women and but then they're like no 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 see she's an astronaut too so it's okay and it's just kind of absurd that mattel who is kind of, who has pushed that no they're progressive for doing this and but it's mostly run by men too and how a lot of times like men are coming out and saying no women are fine there's nothing wrong there they're also see they're in business too things like that yeah they've had one to two women CEOs in the past, right? There was that one, and then maybe that other one that we can't name. Yeah, but it's the entire board is male, and it's just, I mean, they're absurd because the whole concept of the board pushing women forward, that of all male board pushing women forward, is absurd in itself. That's, that's why I loved it. I, I don't, I enjoyed it. But I, I, I hate... and that's how, that's how like real corporate is, though, is. Kind of see, actually, I, I think I, I think I have a more negative view of real corporate. I don't think real cor- corporate would ever be like, okay, we're gonna push a female forward here, even as a symbolic gesture. I don't <laughs> they're think they're gonna they have the they Ken would... Mojo Jojo house. Correct. They would be like, okay, <laughs> like I I hate to be like I hate to be crass about this, but they're gonna be like, cool. 
we found a minority male who will put forward before putting the female forward. I, like, and that's just somebody who's worked in that corporate setting, who sees those corporations doing these things, are definitely women who are very strong and powerful with their jobs. And as much as I don't like some of the work that Kathleen Kennedy has done at Lucasfilm, she still has a lot of respect as a producer. She's still a great producer. I don't think all the content that she makes is great, but she still has a lot of resources. She knows how to manage them. And I hate to be like, okay, I just pulled out the one that I knew. But, the, I mean, there are people also like that. I mean, in the film industry, in every industry, I, mean, I, I hate to be more of the, okay, it's part of the arts, because I can tell you, I, I, I can't name any women CEOs of giant toy companies, is giant, like, retail companies. I, I don't think there are any. And if there are, they're, I, I hate to say, an honorary position, but that's definitely the way it feels. Because, I mean, like, for my for my day job, I, I deal with a lot of w- women who are high up in a company. But they're not, like, there's always that one person who's above them who's above them. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I get that you guys are all male who are, like, at the top, top brass here. And, it like, I don't know. It, it, we don't need to get, once again, into work politics. But it's just something that I've noticed. And I feel like... Once again, I feel like the film is trying to have its cake and eat it too when it comes to that certain plot of the film. I agree with what you're both saying. I'm just saying that's the one thing that didn't work for me. And I wasn't saying that it would be an honorary position for women. I was saying the opposite. Like there are deserving people or women who deserve promotions who get passed up for a male counterpart. Oh, and I completely agree. Absolutely. I just want to make sure that's clear, because you called it honorary, and I was, like, stepping back. I'm like, if I ever run for president, I do not want this backtracking on me. I'm like, nope, I'm not saying that. I did have a conversation with my mom today. I know I'm talking a lot about my mom, but Barbie makes me think of all the other women in my life and how we're connected. Anyway, we were talking about work, and she talked about how it's very clear to her that women in her age range in kind of the corporate sphere had this whole thing where if they had kids they're less likely to be promoted because oh you have to be home with the kids and then men were more likely to be promoted because oh you're the you're the breadwinner you need more money for your kids and so she was just thinking a lot about that today part of me thinks barbie started that but (laughs) my point is 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 this just like Okay, yeah, workplace is a place that has a lot of things that they are working on, but can still go further. Where I work at is clearly, if you're not a white Christian male, they're kind of not treating you as well as they treat the good old boys club, basically. And it's very surprising considering where I work. The, the one thing which I love about any piece of art like this is that it's going to get people talking. As long as you see the thing, as long as you go out and experience the film, you, obviously you're free to disagree if you like to. I like, but you like you can disagree with the art that's being made, but you have to at least see it. You have to at least experience it to talk about it and have a viewpoint that seems valid. Versus, hey, I'm just sexist. I don't like Greta Gerwig. I don't like the politics of the film. Well, right? did you even see it? No. Like for me, like throw this back at me, I haven't seen the film Sound of Freedom. So I'm, I don't talk about it because I haven't seen it. Am I going to go out there and see it sometime? Yeah, probably. I won't pay to see it, but I'll see it. But 
I I'm not gonna like bash the film because I haven't I haven't seen it. But something like this, and then something like once again Eagle Eye that we talked about like a couple weeks ago, which I didn't recommend. But like things that get conversations going, no matter how you look at it, that's a good thing. And something like this that I don't want to say it. <sighs> in my head I keep going back to how like where kind of society is kind of going right now with like trying to put more women in power I feel like that came from the Me Too movement more than anything do you disagree with that? I would say that's just another related women's issue I really feel like that's I feel like this has been coming for a long time no I think it's been coming for a long time no I think it's been coming for a long time Me Too did not cause this it was Me Too was something that was built up beforehand it's not just like Me Too bopped up like oh women are misrepresented and treated horribly I'm agreeing with you but I'm I'm looking at this once again from the world of corporate level they didn't care I'm not like they didn't care about how women were treated they didn't care that they weren't listened to they didn't care until they're given a microphone until any minority group is given a microphone people aren't going to care like of course like the majority of the people could still care but they're not going to do anything because the people at the top are the ones who have to hear it so for things like once again me too sexual harassment harvey weinstein things like that anybody who worked in la knew what was going on with harvey weinstein and, and yes, that does still stick in my stomach that I, like, not just me, like, lots of people heard that these things were going on. But, like, for somebody like me, I'm like, okay, I don't actively know people who have been impacted by this, but I know what's going on. Like, so what, what, what are people like me supposed to do? I don't know. Talk about it. Bring these issues up and say, this is going on. We don't agree with it. And try to have the society, have the world figure out how to deal with the consequences of horrible people. Sexism here is terrible. And I do think that's interesting. One, one thing I, I, I keep wrapping my head around. And I feel like it's a, maybe a step too far with the Barbie movie. With some of the, the reverse, like, not reverse sexism, but the... The, the women being on top of the world and the men being completely below it in Barbie land versus where they are like in actual reality like reality real world yes men are at the top and women are at the bottom that's like I, I don't agree with it but that's where it's at I have one line that keeps going over in my head again and again for the for the Barbie movie and I, and I it just I, I need somebody to explain to me because it feels kind of wrong in my mind and it's the line of Barbie's asked, "Where do the Kens sleep?" And, and, and this—it's a funny joke. But her response is, "I don't know." And then my the second response is in my head because it's not said, but I, I hear it in the Barbie voice: "Is I don't care." Because that's where it's, it, it's it's said. It's given that inclination that I don't know, I don't care, which then is making me feel okay. Like I know this is not right, the right thing to say, but is this a world where? having the women in power is a good thing. Because if this is how they're treating people, and I know that you, you know, you're saying, okay, in the real world, like it's a whole metaphor for the real world. It's an inverse of the real world. But it's, so it's trying to make you, force you to see the other's perspective by, you know, them doing the same things that guys are doing, but in the Barbie world. But I, I can understand that. But then at the end of the, like at the end of the day, we should have in my, like the, the way that the stories are melding together into this melting pot, we should have a way of, okay, we have now this quote unquote perfect society at the end of the film, but we still don't have that. We still have the Ken's where you're sleeping. 
no, who knows? Who cares? Like the response is still there, and to me, like for a film that's trying to bring issues to the forefront, I wish that it could have had a little more to say about mixing it all together versus trying to make a point of, hey, sexism is bad. Okay, cool, but what are you gonna do? So you want a perfect utopia ending, and that's not realistic. So the ending that she gave us was almost harsh reality ending where the Barbies have this line that I absolutely love where the Kens want more more positions in, in the hierarchy system. And they're like, you can have this lower level one, whatever. And they say something along the lines of Kens will have as much of as much power in Barbie land as they give women in the real world. So I almost feel like that's a threat because it's like, okay, you want it to be equal, then the real world's going to have to work on it. And look, I, 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 I agree with you. Obviously, I'm not here saying that I disagree with what you're saying and I'm not disagreeing with what Greta is putting forth in the film, but I, I, I hate to be like the Debbie Downer here because once again, I love the film. And now, of course, we're just like breaking apart the text of the film and trying to come up with a solution for the film. And I think that's important because that's what this film, on one level, is trying to do. On the, 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 let me rephrase. On the level that I care about, that's what the film's trying to do. On the other hand, it's a fun party. It's a beach party. Just have a great time. There's an awesome like dream sequence dance number in there. Margot Robbie is phenomenal. Is stereotypical Barbie. Um, it, it's funny. And I think that's also something which I do enjoy with this film. How I want to break it down and analyze every little aspect of the film. You don't have to do that. You can just go in and be like, yeah, okay, I want a great time. And you can have a great time. You're looking up something. Yeah. While she's looking that up, I just want to point out that her not knowing where the Ken's sleep is just also pointing out how they're not real. Like People just like most women in movies aren't like fully realized people, it feels like. I feel like if you switch the sex roles in this movie uh the or the ken's got treated better than most women do in movies uh ryan gosling character at least has a complete art but if you take movies like like florence Pugh in the next one she obviously is just there well we'll talk about that later but yeah he has a complete arc he's actually a real character um but a lot of women in movies are just there for sex appeal or like to drive the men forward or talk about men or things like that so i don't know i didn't really think about it as like we don't care where men sleep it's just showing further showing how inequality and, and I think the reason why I'm just like being so like whole, like hung up on such a line is because once again this is directed by the person who wrote it so like she clearly could have been like no nah, I don't want to have that line it's not working let's cut it like Greta Gerwig is smart enough to be like okay if something's not working in the film I'm going to cut it like she wa- she purposely put all the stuff in the film and I just I, I think it's things to talk about once again that's not me saying I don't like this film I love the film I've seen it twice because I love it. I do want to go again to see it again. And it, it's, 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 a, it's a fun, fantastic time. I didn't completely go with the, the final 10 minutes of the film. Now that just might be somebody who is a little bit cold-hearted towards the world. Because it kind of feels like it's kind of the same thing that, uh, I mean talk about Christopher Nolan here in just a little bit something like Interstellar like the whole third act of that film and I'm like okay no like I like I I, I get what you're saying but wholeheartedly I disagree and uh 
I, I don't I don't know like the way that the film ends is the way that the film deserves to end. I don't know how else you would actually end this film, but do I feel completely satisfied by the end of it? No. And maybe that's what the, maybe maybe that's what the point of the film is. Maybe you're not supposed to be wholly satisfied with life. You're supposed to live life and figure that out along the way. I don't know. But Samantha, did you find what you're looking for? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So I feel like Barbie's doing the same same type of I don't know if I want to say teaching, but like eye-opening as this one YouTube short film I watched a long time ago. It's called Love is All You Need, and it's a short film about this girl in middle school who is kind of coming of age and is struggling because she's straight. And the thing is, is that everyone else in this world is gay, and so she is the weird one for being straight. And it just talks about all sorts of things like that. The thing that it's doing is it's taking what you think is normal and flipping it so that you're now empathizing with the one that is oppressed, the one that is the minority, the one that is XYZ. And I think it's a really fascinating way to, to do a look at stuff and to try and show people this is what it's like. This is how you can put your shoes in there. You know, or put your feet in their shoes. You know what I mean? But I just, I, like, once again, I'm, I'm really completely, like, micro-analyzing this film. And might not, I might not, I not, might not, I'm not the best person to be doing that. That This belongs, I think, more in, like, an actual feminist, like, class for college. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot to dig into here that we can't do in the amount of time that we have. And we, we've already been talking a long time here about Barbie. But, like... I don't know. Like I, I'm just. I keep going back to the. Okay, it's the, it, the Barbie Land is the the real, the real world but reversed. It's the, the opposite side of that coin. And I'm like, cool. So are you telling me that, women in our world are going to read a book about the patriarchy and horses and then, completely take the wrong message away from it? Like I. I, it's a very funny joke, and I love the joke. It almost reminded me of the types of jokes in the Dora the Explorer live-action movie, where she's like, can you say psycholysis or something? And it's very much like, you know, Barbie's going on this grand adventure to find what's wrong, and Ken discovers misogyny. Whoops. <laughs> But you, but like it's it's kind of a funny joke in a way, but, and it's but, but, painful. But that's a great joke. joke but but I'm just but. saying, like, like I look, I I I do come at this also from a very different perspective than most people, because I, I have worked for people who have been the exact opposite direction of that, who have been the nope, women are completely everything. Like if you're not with us, in any like if you ever speak out against us, you're dead. So, I will like, say that's wrong too. Well, I think that's wrong, but, but I, I I personally obviously obviously think that's wrong. The movie doesn't do anything to point that out though, and I think that yeah. is a misstep of the film to say that hey, just because you're female means that you are right. You are like that's not saying that you aren't powerful, that you don't have a voice, but with everything in life, it's how you use that voice that matters. And I think that's the thing that which. For me, I like about the Ken story arc of the the Kens or the Ryan Gosling story arc of the film is that he realizes he realizes the error in his ways. And I'm not gonna say how he recognizes recognizes that. I'm not gonna say what happens to get to that point. But the fact that, that we have that that says okay, and there's still growth to have. Like there's still growth for that character to, to have. 
and I think that he does recognize that there's still growth to have. He's not at the end of his journey. I think that's important. And that's something that really, like, I think we always started this whole conversation with saying, hey, we elected Barack Obama. It's solved. And I feel like from a lot of things for me, and I think the thing that worries me a lot right now with Barbie is how everyone is talking about how great the representation is. How phenomenal this film is. How great the story is that's giving the themes and everything. Don't stop there. There's, like I said, this, like we've been talking here now for about 45 minutes about this conversation. Like th- these are things that should be talked about in conversations that could be had. I, I obviously don't have all the answers. I don't, Samantha doesn't have all the answers. Mike doesn't have all the answers. Coming together and trying to come up with these solutions as a community, as a film community, as a family uh, unit, whatever you are, is incredibly important. And I, that's, like I said, I, I'm, I'm so worried that Mattel is going to take the wrong message from this film. I'm so worried that the Hollywood system is going to take the wrong message from this film. And, and, and I hate to be rude, but I feel like, like once again, I love the story, the... The speech that, uh, why am I blanking on her name from Superstore, uh, the America Ferrer. Both times I've seen that, uh, when she gives that speech, I've heard people in the audience break into applause. Mm-hmm. It gives me chills. Now, it literally no, does. No, no, once again, that speech is, like, I love the speech. And the, the because I know the way that Greta Gerwig speaks, because I've, I've, I've heard her speak, like, the way that that speech is given is insane. 1000% in her voice just like the cadences that are being given the rhythms to that speech like that is her voice like that that is Greta Gerwig's like heart and soul about being a woman in today's society like that is that's her I just want those conversations to continue I'm careful because I don't want it to turn into the flip side of that where the men is always wrong and I do because I've already heard those conversations happening from people who are walking outside of Barbie. And I'm like, you're not, you, you weren't listening. You were hearing what you wanted to hear in a 1000%. It is tough to be a woman in today's world. No one is telling you that that's not the case. But no one is telling you to now do the exact thing that that film did and shove people into a corner and say, no, this is how you have to be. And that... That, that that to me is upsetting in a way because that I that's not that no nobody involved with the film that I personally know from speeches that they not speeches but interviews that they've given and that I've read that have followed along with this production has ever said that they want the flip side of this to now come true they want the voices to be heard they want conversations to happen they want everyone to be entertained and have a fun time. Let's not take it that. Let's not take that extra step. Let's dissect it. Let's have these conversations. Let's open it up. Let's give people like boxes to stand up to scream from the rooftops that they should go see this film. And I think they should. Like I have been recommending this film to everybody, and some people want to see it because it's just uh, the new TikTok trend. Some people want to see it because they actually just want to see this. IP, this toy that they grew up with, with, and they want to see how it's represented in this film, and that's all great. Like the the greatest part about this film, and it's also something that you said earlier that rubbed me the wrong way, Samantha. Like the whole tagline for this film is, "If you love Barbie, this movie is for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie is for you." Mm-hmm. 
It's not just for women. It's not just for men. This movie is for everyone. And I w encourage everybody. Like, go out there. See it again. Bring a friend. Like, I don't think this is my favorite film of the year. I don't think it's the most important film of the year. But I think that getting, talking, getting conversations like this going in a big pop culture event, a big pop culture movie... It's the best way that these conversations can actually be productive versus, I don't want to say like a Me Too movement because like that was something very important to have, but that came from a place of hurt and a place of just tearing people down for generations. And while Barbie is, of course, talking about things like that, it's doing it in a way that's popcorn fun. Does anyone have anything else they want to say about Barbie? Nobody's talked about Ryan Gosling. I would, I, I'd like to just throw He did a, a great job. I'd like to say Ryan Gosling is Ken did a great job. I'm just I'm just going back to some of his like his line deliveries in the film. Like he's I love the double sunglasses. Gets me every time. I, the, 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 the one big other the one big aspect I love about this film was it felt like everybody wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. And that that even makes the film even more special because I I mean we've seen some other films this year where it's like okay you're clearly sleepwalking through this role you aren't interested in being here, but everyone involved with this film just wanted to be there. So like this is the exact opposite of a for me a Let It Burn recommendation. It's a like Let It Let It Shine recommendation because like everyone is so excited from the once again from the producers to the caterers to everybody involved, they put their heart and soul into this film and it shows. Does it, do I, do I think the film stumbles a little bit? Obviously, I've been talking about for the past 45 minutes. I do. I don't think that this film is perfect. It doesn't give a great answer to some of the problems it's putting out there, which is something that, like, I like, which is, once again, for, like, it's a good... It's not a documentary. No, but I was going to just mention that. It's a good doc documentary does. Like, it tries to put out a problem and tries to do something tries to offer a solution and that's or a call to action or something but this film doesn't do either of those things and that's the thing and i know what's good it's not a documentary as you just said but this film feels as important as some a documentary so kind of call i feel like it calls to action is pointing out this wrong you think just i think i feel like just pointing out something is wrong is also kind of a call to action i mean barbie going let's fix this would be ridiculous because everything else I want to everything else I want to talk about is definitely in the spoiler like in the spoiler category, so I don't yeah. want to get into that. Into that, I, I I can tell you that Samantha, Samantha, you asked like what songs I've I've listened to on repeat from the soundtrack. Yeah, it's a valid question. There's there's two there's two, Pink the the opening number. Yeah, and I really wish the really really wish the reprise of the song was on the album. I would love that. It's not, and it's a shame. So the the opening number, fantastic, and uh, the I'm just Ken. Like those two, and I, I feel like they really book book uh bookend each other really well. Those two songs, Th those are the two songs that I've listened to, and that just make me smile throughout the day when I listen to them. Even I'm just Ken. Like it's it's, who knows what's gonna happen with the Oscars this year? But I really hope this song is nominated for best like best song. Yeah, and we just see song. all these like all these guys up on stage just like having a weird like dream sequence dance number, and and and, and I know like. That would be like, awesome. <laughs> it, 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 like, it, just, it just sounds like so absurd and so awesome to see, especially if you get like Ryan Gosling up there. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I would like to think that Ryan Gosling has enough humor about himself. And I think that he, like the vibes I get, he does. 
because mm-hmm. I think he's realized, okay, I took my break from acting for a bit. Now, like, I'm back. But uh, Samantha, what what two songs? What what two songs? What songs have you been listening to from the soundtrack on repeat? The two songs that I've been listening to the most are Barbie World and Speed Drive. I don't know. They're just poppy enough to get me through the day, and I love them. I don't think I like that song. What? Speed Drive? Is that, is that the one? Speed Drive is the one. Okay, so Barbie World is the credit song. Yeah, I, yeah. Which, the, the remix. you know, they always want to end on a happy song in the credits to make you feel good. So I, it makes me feel good. Um, the lyrics are pretty sassy. I enjoy it. Um, and then the other one, Speed Drive, is the one where she's running through the corporate building. Yeah, and I, I, once again, that goes from my work, not that song specifically, but the, that's. But your issue with the corporate. The, the, correct. Building. And I'm yeah. just kind of like, man, like, okay, it's, that's not working for me in the But film, I'm so. just kind of is really good. My rating is obviously a see it and bring everyone you know, whether you love or hate them, bring them. Mike, what would your rating be for uh, Barbie and have you. Uh, do, do you have any music from the soundtrack that's like been bopping in your head? I have not listened to the soundtrack. Um, oops, besides when I watch the movies. Okay. Um, but my rating is the most see it of see it. Uh, if you're going to go see one movie, go see Barbie. Like, even if it's the only movie you ever see, just pick Barbie. <laughs> that might be an overreaction, but that's what I'm going to go with. No, that seems about right to me. <laughs> see, what's it? If Sam agrees, it's correct. That's two votes for. Sorry. No, I, like, <laughs> what's that? What's again? I, I feel like Samantha, like I feel like Samantha's been calling me out a lot lately for saying I don't like this film enough. Like I, I love the film. Yeah, but sometimes when you love stuff, you only mention the things you don't love. I love, and so I'm like, I need some more things that you love, please. No, I, I love balance it out. Love the production design. Love the performances from Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, like not just everybody, everybody in the cast, even Will Ferrell. I think is given a good performance. I just don't think his character does anything in the film. I, I, I love the film. I talked to a lot of people who said they teared up. I didn't get to that point. But I'm not sure if I was the target audience to cry for this film. But then again, I don't think I'm the target audience to cry at Lady Bird and uh, Little Women. And I was definitely in tears at both of them. So I, I Yeah, no, I cried. You cried during Little Women? Oh, when, when did you cry during Little Women? Uh, did, but, I'm just surprised you cried. I just when she when she's publishing the book at the end, like it, it's such a like it's like that that's her whole thing in life was trying to get that done and just that that sense of accomplishment and just that my story is now going out to the world and yes it might not be the exact way that I had always thought it was going to go but it's still happening. Yes, I've had to make sacrifices to get there, but it has been worth it to get to that point. I think that it's much more moving to me personally than. The ending of Barbie. Now, that's a, what's it's a completely different ending, and I've talked to so many people who love the end of the joke, the, the last joke here. I think it's a good joke, but that's, I've also defended that one. Everybody, it's the one part of the film that I'm like, man, parents, have fun explaining that to your kids. Like, I, I and I, I think I hate that. I think that's the one point where I'm like, man, maybe I am a curmudgeon at that point. But I don't think I'm a curmudgeon for the rest of the film because I, I I liked it. I agreed with it. And once again, unlike Super Mario Brothers, this is a film that shows that, hey, we can bring a property that everybody loves. It's meant for kids. And we can elevate it. We can tell a story. We can do something important with it. Think about this being in the Mario universe. Like, not even, like, this, like, strong of a theme. No. Like, the, the, the Mario... Barbie and Mario? <laughs> No, I don't want. I don't want a crossover. I'm saying, okay. like, what would happen if the Mario movie tried to say anything? Yeah. 
let alone like the things that are trying to be brought up in the Barbie movie. The films like this, to me, just make that Mar Super Mario Brothers movie look worse and worse. And I know, Mike, you do like that film, so I apologize. But I, I'm just confused what Mario would say, like equal rights for plumbers. I don't get I it. I think they uh, would the try and make Peach even stronger and be like, look, she's more than just a damsel. Which, but, but they did that. Which they, they did. Well, hold on, Jonathan. They did say she's more than just a damsel, and that was it. End of end of story. End of sentence. End of issue. I agree. So I'm like, with you saying, I wish it was more like Barbie. I was like, well, they did it, but they kind of didn't. Not like Barbie did. You they know? did. They did it in a hey, we're offering you this. This is what you have. Part enjoy. Thing. We're giving you like a a, a a participation medal, basically. And uh, that that's what I'm saying. It's like they they did, but they didn't. I mean, we could talk about, like, things like, what would I do for a, a Mario movie like this? Talk about, like, the working class. Mario's a working plumber. He's trying to f figure out his way in the world. You have Bowser, who's this upper-class society, trying to, like, just pound his way through, just being a di giant dinosaur and crashing his way through, wrecking that world. Uh, we could talk about the coins and all, all how capitalism works. There's a lot of things we could do. Are they going to do that in a Super Mario movie? No, because it's not playing it safe. And that's the thing that's the best part about this Barbie film, is it's taking something that has been, like, 1950s, 60s, classic household, hey, nuclear family, and destroying it. Absolutely blowing it up in a pink bomb. That is the thing which is exciting about this film. For that reason, once again, I am saying let it shine, go see this. This is not the highest seat in the world for me. I'm actually... What is? You're already outvoted anyway, Jonathan, so that doesn't matter. Me and, me and Samantha. I, 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 will, I, I will spoil spoil the, oh, the lead no. here. Like, Oppenheimer is not... Ooh. Oppenheimer is not... <laughs> The highest seat. It's gonna be Scott Pilgrim versus the world, isn't it? <laughs> you're gonna say it. You said we want to talk about it anymore, Jonathan. Just three reminders. Uh, no, like, I mean, if you if you're talking like, what is the highest seat for me in the world? I mean, yeah. Are you gonna say Jaws instead of Barbie? <sighs> Actually, like, I mean, I mean, just thinking about those films, like Little Women, like Lady Bird, like those films for me are. Like the the things that like Little Women is doing, I think says a lot more about society in that film. But it doesn't say it as loudly. Like the thing which Barbie, Barbie is a does, megaphone. Correct. Yeah. It's saying it very nose. It's loud. It's hitting it on the nose. And the reason why I like that more in Little Women is because okay, like I hate to be like rude, but the curmudgeons who are like, okay, I don't want to see Barbie because of all this are going to see Little Women because they're they like the book. They grew up with that story. The people who don't want to see Barbie because of its message are not going to see Little Women. I promise you I, that. No, I, I disagree with that. I, I, I would disagree with that. I think that some of the older audiences, like, I can, I can tell you there's a distinct age jump off a cliff. Like, anyone over, like, the age of 70 is not seeing Barbie. Uh, I counter that by watching people over, or seeing people over 70 watching the movie. Barbie's not new. They played with Barbies too. Yeah. Barbie's been around. Oh for no, a Barbie's long time. been along for a long time. But I'm just. And remember the really sweet moment where she's like, "You're beautiful," and the old lady says, "I know it." That's perfect for them. I... It's adorable. I think I'm going to quit while I'm behind here. Um, <laughs> I was like, that made me tear up that moment. Oh, no, that, no one's good. No, but like for, for, for highest levels of see it, like those other two Greta Gerwig films for me are higher than this. This is the lowest of the three films I've seen. That's not saying it's bad. I don't want to get emails saying it's bad because it's not. 
but yeah, I mean, if you agree or disagree, if you have anything else you want to throw out there into the world about Barbie, you can always email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We are going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back in just a few seconds to talk about Oppenheimer. This is a national emergency. Detonator's charged. in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. A secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. If we don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want for theory alone? Zero would be nice. The story of an American scientist, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. That is the plot synopsis for the new 2023, almost said 2013 again, 2023 film directed by Christopher Nolan and written by Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer. I think I let Samantha, I let you go first last time. I'm going to go first this time. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Before I get going, I'm going to just kind of state where I'm currently not currently at, but where I was going like into the film with my mindset on Christopher Nolan and then my general impressions on the film. Going into this film, ideally, I like Christopher Nolan. He's directed some films that I absolutely love. The Dark Knight trilogy, of course, is fantastic. The Prestige, Inception, Dunkirk is one of my all-time favorite films, but uh, the, the film that most people love him for is the film I hate him for. I hate Interstellar. Interstellar to me is the epitome of, hey, I'm talking down to you the entire time. Forget that this is a movie. I'm smarter than you. Shut up. And I'm like, you know, at times I, like, I can feel like a film can do that. But when it goes on for three hours and I'm like, no, like, I still need to be entertained. I still need to buy the core theme of the story that you're trying to tell me. In that film, I didn't. I, I actually, I, I despise it. I, I really despise that film. Then Tenet came out, and I'm like, you know what? Tenet is one of those films where I think Nolan learned from Interstellar. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to explain everything that's going on. I'm going to kind of give some vague reasons why everything's happening. Does it always make sense? No, but that's fine. Just go with it. And like the third act of that film, I still can't tell you what exactly happens. But I had a great time watching it. 
Like, I was enjoying that entire experience. I haven't seen it since theaters, so really it's going off of a memory of it. But I can tell you that the uh, Robert Pattinson performance in that film is spectacular. So walking into this film, was excited, but I wasn't like, I, I need to rush out to see this right away. Some of that I think had to do with the subject matter of how I didn't like my personal viewpoints. I don't think that the atomic bomb was a good thing that had to be invented. I don't think that it has made the world a better and safer place. So I was like, do I really want to see a film that glorifying the person who made that weapon? But then I, I saw the film and I told Samantha when I left, I felt like I had just been given like a shot of adrenaline. I feel like I had just been like, I think all the feelings that she had with Barbie, I had with Oppenheimer. Like this is what, this is what cinema was made for. And I think I said that walking out, like this is what cinema was made for. This is like films like this or why we made these these things that seemed really silly at one point in time, but now have such moving stories to tell. Such inspiring and heartbreaking and just overall important stories that should be out there in the world. The other thing that I did right after I saw the movie was I ordered the book, American Prometheus. So you I was did? like, I did, I ordered the book. I had book. no idea. I would please don't tell me you ordered the book. Uh, yes, I knew Oppenheimer developed the atomic bomb i knew that but that was really all i knew about the man i didn't know anything else and this film really gave me the itch to be like okay what more is there to know about this man now the issue with the book is from my understanding i haven't read it yet maybe i'll I'll come back in like a month because it's a 700 page book it's gonna take me a little bit to get through um you think you can read that in a month if i actively tell myself hey i can read it okay um, I'll be ready. I, but the thing which I'm worried about is it's going to be very dry. Yeah. And it's just going to be like, I was born in a log cabin in the middle of like, Kentucky. I don't know. Like, I don't, he wasn't. Wasn't but, it New Mexico? I, I, I'm being facetious. I don't know. He talked a lot about New Mexico. I'm being facetious here. Obviously, he wasn't born in Kentucky in a log cabin. But, like, I don't need to have the every single day of his life read to me, which is why this film works. This film doesn't talk to me about his childhood. It doesn't care about his childhood. It's not saying, hey, I had a bad mother and I wanted to create the nuclear bomb. Like, thank God for that. Uh, yeah. Starting off with like his academic life, that which is where like the inspiration for everything starts. That was such a smart move. And the first, like, I this is going to sound like a weird compliment, the first, like, 45 minutes of this film feel like a giant montage of his life. And it's really weird to say that because it's, like, the way that it's moving makes me feel like I'm I'm understanding this person from his point of view. Like, I'm understanding where he's coming from. I think that's so unique. The score for this film, like, I think there's only, like, three to four minutes of this film that, that doesn't have a score. Which is so weird for a movie. Like, I love the score and I hate it at the same time because the score is so fantastic, but at the same time, I'm not letting the actors actually be able to, like, breathe and act. It feels like they're, you're kind of suffocating them with noise. But then I'm like, man, Christopher Nolan being, like, very intellectual with his films. I'm like, well, maybe that's how Oppenheimer's feeling with all of this 
pressure and all of this guilt that he has for building this weapon, knowing that not only did it kill hundreds of innocent civilians, but his technology has now all gone on to make different bombs, different weapons that are going to be just even more horrifying than he ever imagined they could be. And maybe all that music, all that noise in his head is just always going, giving him that guilt. Now, I do, I do think Nolan's smart enough to do something like that. I mean, he's proven in every other film that he's, once again, he's, he's going to challenge the audience. And I think he continues to do that with this film. This film is, to me, so smart, so fun. Like I said, fun's not the right word. No, actually, that's not true. I had a fun time watching this. Like, I did. Like I, like I said, I, I had a really fun time watching this, which is so weird for me to say, because once again, I walked in being like, no, I don't want this. I hate this weapon. Like, I, I remember getting into a huge argument with my dad about the nuclear, like, the, the, the bombs being dropped and how that didn't need to happen. And him being very much a, well, they attacked the United States. I'm like, like they were going to surrender. Like, not right that second, but they, they were going to surrender. Now, of course... The, the United States side of the story has always been, nope, they were never going to. And of course, like in any war that we are in, whether like also like we're in or let's say that Russia, Ukraine, like it's it's always the other side is wrong no matter what. They they we take, we take that hardline approach. And of course, World War Two, there were there were definitely wrong sides here. I almost feel like you have to in any war just to make sure that your guys know who they're shooting at. You know, but correct. But like you have to do that why, for them to do but it. But why? Like, like I guess I'm not trying to rewrite history because this is history that you can never rewrite. It's set in stone, it's set in blood, blood. But why? Like the the killing of hundreds of thousands of people with ramifications that are still being felt to this day is just like it, it, it's stomach turning to me. But then when I'm watching the film and the end of that second act, like I know what's going to happen. I know how the Trinity test turns out. But the fact that I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat, enthralled, you can't help but look at it. Like I, I, I go back to something from um, Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Rogue One, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, um, kind of kind of along the same lines here. If you if you go with me for a second. We're uh, doing the Death Star test on uh, the Jetta, I believe. And they launch the, the laser at the planet just to just give it a test. And you see this giant cloud of smoke rising up to the Death Star and how beautiful that looks. Like the nuclear bomb, that mushroom that it creates, how horrifying it is, yet how beautiful and captivating it is to look at it's such a weird thing and i don't I, I can't put my finger on why such devastation such horrifying power is so beautiful to look at i don't know why i don't know what that says personally about me i don't know what that personally says about christopher nolan but it's it's like it, it that i think that's something that i keep grappling with with this film and I think that's something that that character is also grappling with with this film, but like from his from his side, like he has this immense genius with him, that also comes with like all these other themes that I love. But what do men of greatness do? No, I'm not a man of greatness. I'm not like I I I'm proud of the things I do in my life, but I know I'll never be like somebody like Oppenheimer or somebody like going back to something like Hamilton. Like that's the thing which I love there about the legacy of these characters. 
uh, and our founding fathers. Like I, that stuff is so appealing to me. And like when it gets into the, the even the third act, which doesn't work for some people, but for me, it's like catnip. I want to eat it up. The politics of it, the pettiness of it, that is like life. That is our society. Our society is so petty and so backstabbing. And so just, he had this power. That's great. I want to take it for myself and make it even bigger power. Forget everything that person says. And it's just so interesting to watch that. And the way that Nolan takes that and creates two different like film stocks the black and white and the color and the fact that he's shooting this in IMAX film like Kodak had to make a special black and white film stock for him it didn't exist until this film and that's also just so exciting that things like that are being made for this film for the sake of art to say hey this is stuff that's going on it's exciting let's talk about it and it's this history that's been discussed for ages that should probably be just buried by now so this film is bringing new life and new energy, if you will, into the legacy of Oppenheimer and what he did. Was it worth it? And I think those are such intriguing conversations to have. Uh, Samantha, would you like to go with your thoughts on the film? I almost feel like you saying that the power of destruction is beautiful is a very human thing to feel. You know, it's the same type of thing that it's like, okay, you're really high up and you look down and that little voice says, what happens if I jump? It's like the really dark curiosity of human nature that is enthralled by it. But here's the thing, like, like you're saying that and then my, my head just because of, of course, like the tragedy that I lived through, not like personally was there obviously, but like as an American citizen living through 9-11 and seeing those World Trade Towers, the planes hit them. That to me was not, there was nothing in that that was inspiring to look at. That was always horrifying to look at. But like even like I'm going I mean talk about the nuclear bomb, like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like how, how ridiculous that is, but like how Indy got there, but when he's standing up and he's looking over the horizon at that nuclear mushroom, like that's a beautiful shot. What's good? It's horrifying and beautiful to watch at the same time. I mean for the Twin Towers for me, I didn't live through that. But I thought it was fascinating. I was like, why would someone do that? Why, how did they, why did they, who did they, you know, like, it brought on curiosity for me. And I watch way too many documentaries that will scar me for life because of it. But I think that's just a part of human nature is what I'm saying. Um, as for the movie itself, I thought it was a very beautiful movie in terms of, what do you say, production? Cinematography? Oh, everything. For me, for, I thought it was a very pretty I mean, movie. Um, I think my issue is that I, I, there were times where I felt like either I maybe mixed up a character or maybe I'm missing some like historical knowledge because history is not my strong suit. So I'm like, maybe I'm missing something. But it's almost like some of the stuff didn't land the same way that it did with you. And I was like, am I missing a piece of the equation? I don't understand. So I liked most of it. And I also am not a huge fan of like the court scenes which i know you you said it's like catnip to you and i totally agree you were having a great time and i'm just like eh, it's fine it's all right you know but so i was like i like the movie i like it but it, it you know it's not my barbie yeah I, i'm gonna offer a couple things for you really quick i think that the court the court setting of the film does a lot of things a it's setting up the story so like you can know kind of what not exactly what's going on. The film doesn't want to completely tell you everything that's going on, but it's giving you hints, which yeah. is something it needs to do for a three hour long film. It needs to give you, okay, like little 
bits of clues to make you curious as to what's going to happen next because it, it is a three hour long film. But I will read the book with you. To me, well, the, 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 that's going to be my one thing. I'm going to suggest to you really quick. Uh, I th- think might be more interesting for you, might be more interesting for you and less interesting for me. Would you have enjoyed this film more if it was told in a linear fashion? Because I can tell you right now, I'm sick of biopics that are told in a linear fashion. Hey, he did this, and it led to this, and it led to this. And I'm like, I don't, like, that's the thing which I love about Christopher Nolan, is he's like, yeah, but let's just mix that up a little bit. Let's just give you a story in a different twist, in a different way that's going to make you think more about the consequences, and how they could come back five years from now, 15 years from now, and you never thought about it. But now, of course, you have to go back and be like, okay, did... Did my connection to this person impact sadly the rest of my life? I have no clue. Like I, I like. So here's here's my answer to that question. I think for this particular movie, yes, because at times I felt lost, and I I I don't know what I needed, but I definitely needed something more to help guide me through the story. So for this case, yes, but at the same time, I'm gonna bring up Witcher, um, Witcher season one is not told. In a linear fashion. I think that's a spoiler, by the way. Just a spoiler alert for Witcher that's not told in a I guess. Linear. Never mind. I won't say that. I mean, it's been off. Th- Keep going. It's it's three years old at this point, or five years old, or something like that. I, I, I think Mike's right. You can, you can say it, but I'm just saying spoiler if you have it. Like, I think it's fine to say. He said spoiler after, so we're just going to delete that whole part. Spoiler um, alert for Witcher coming up. It's a non-linear spoiler alert. Uh, I'm sick of spoilers <laughs> being in linear order. Would you have liked that um, in a linear fashion? Oh, sorry. Um, I guess... God, I don't even know what to say anymore. I feel awkward. Um, <laughs> Witcher season one is not told in a linear fashion, and I find that more interesting because you're tying all these timelines together and slowly in your head with different little hints and pieces of characters you're establishing the timeline as it as it is but i think it it does a good job of revealing the the interesting stuff to keep you watching so i almost feel like i do like it but not in this case you you didn't like the the quote-unquote reveal of who the bad guy was in this film the way that all those chess pieces were set up and like like i I told you i think i was lost because i was like oh my god Albert Einstein lost his hat like three times and you're like that's the same scene and I was like wait what yeah like I think I was just obviously lost John I really do think I was just lost so I, th- I think one of the other big things that helped me out personally with this film like if you're gonna ask me who the names of these people are I don't know like that that's the and that's the thing which I'm worried about with the book is it's gonna be so dry and it's gonna depend on me knowing these names and names have never been my strong suit like go ask any of my co-workers and they'll be like he doesn't know half the people in his uh, on his team. He doesn't know their names, and I'd be like, "Yep, you're right. I don't." So, for something like this, like the thing which was so nice was I'm great with faces. So these actors who I've seen for the past 20, 20 years, they've been acting. I'm like, "Yep, I know you. Yep, I know you." So that that's where I could connect all the dots, and to be like, "Okay, Kenneth Brown is the guy who they're talking about here. Okay, he's he's important because he's going to give some bit of wisdom to." Uh, to Oppenheimer, like th- things like that, but like once again, I don't, I don't know the names of these characters. I don't have a fl- like. I, I keep thinking about um, kind of some of the Game of Thrones, like A Song of Ice and Fire books. How there's like trees in like in the appendix, the appendixes or in the front of the book to tell how these people all relate to to each other. I kind of need that here. Yeah. Um, 
at the same time, like once again, when I'm looking at this as just a film as a story, I know the cards on the table. I know what side they're on. So I can go with it from that point of view. But yeah, once again, if we talk about it from a historical point, a historical perspective, I'm going to be like, like a, a rock being thrown into water here. I'm just going to sink. Yeah, but that's also why I think I might like the book better is because it's going to go into those details that maybe I need to fully understand what's going on. Um, but before we get into more stuff like that, uh, you got to talk to Mike. Too. Mike, yep. What are you, <laughs> Mike? What like what are your thoughts on Christopher Nolan and walking into the film? And did you enjoy Oppenheimer? Like, what are your initial thoughts on the film? I like Christopher Nolan, but I feel lately he's been getting. Maybe he needs someone to tell him no. Like Interstellar was okay, but like someone should have been like, hey, why is the power of love stopping black holes or whatever was happening? I don't remember anymore. But yeah, uh, I'm glad that I don't have to watch the Oppenheimer previews in front of every movie I see from now on, so that's great. And I knew who Oppenheimer was. I was kind of, I want to say I was World War II buff growing up, but uh, I was interested in it. My grandpa served during World War II, and that caused me to read a lot of things. I've been reading, like I read, or I'm reading The Splendid and the Vile, which is about is about London, or Churchill's first hundred days in office and the bombing of uh london in england in general um during world war ii and the atom bomb obviously something that's super interesting um and something i looked into and so like i understood the basics of how it works and things like that uh yeah um and i enjoyed the movie it was fun it wasn't perfect by any means uh some of the choices in the movie were puzzling i didn't really like how albert einstein was portrayed as like ostracized necessarily because he did have a good portion of his life where he's a celebrity basically um, obviously when he first published the theory of relativity and things like that people like push back and he's trying to destroy um, established physics blah 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 but obviously people picked up on it and like hey he's kind of right I didn't like Florence Pugh's character in the movie I didn't like how she was used at least she just felt like a <laughs> toy honestly sorry for language or like how his famous quote was used during the sex scene I don't care about it for religious reasons it just seems out of place and unnecessary. Yeah, otherwise, it was pretty. It was interesting. I was skeptical. I would enjoy listening to people talk for three hours. But yeah, overall, it didn't seem to like that badly, and I really enjoyed some of the use of sound, especially towards the end in the gymnasium was very effective, and during the test itself. Yeah. That entire scene. That entire scene. I did love that. Was so effective to me, but like. Let me get to the points where I agree with I'm pretty sure I agree with both of you. Christopher Nolan, in general, does not know how to treat women in his films, and uh, it's a problem. Like you, you, uh, you cast Emily Blunt here, and now she has a she has a good moment at the end of the film. Yeah, I did snaps for her. But I'm is, so it, proud. she did fantastic. You, that was fantastic. But the yeah. but the. And, 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 uh, once again, I don't Up want, until that point, she was like nothing. She just was nothing. there. She just happened to be around. She's what a biologist, yeah. I think. And yeah. Did you, other than that dropped line, did she do anything? No, she was a wife, a mother. And, and I think that's a problem. <laughs> like once again, I, I get that this is all from Oppenheimer's point of view, but to have her do something would have been nice. I just. This is where I don't know if what happened there at the end with Emily Blunt's character. And I, I apologize once again. I, I don't know names. Uh, Kitty. I think her name's Kitty. Yeah. But I don't like I don't, I don't know reality versus fiction here. I don't know what actually happened. 
Uh, I haven't read the, once again. I have not read American Prometheus yet. I can't speak to it. So, if things if that did happen, where she stood up for her husband, I, I get that. But, but I, I can we also understand where Oppenheimer? This do you guys you guys understand where Oppenheimer is coming from at that point, right? Like it's not. What do you mean? Well, it, like it's it's not the fact that he's not trying to stand up for himself. He feels an immense, he feels an immense bit of guilt. So he's like, why should I stand up for myself? Why should I stand up for this creation that I unleashed upon the world? Yeah. Like, I I get exactly where everyone in this film is coming from with that where point of view. Where he's just accepting punishment because of his guilt. Yeah. Which, once again, the film opens with that quote, which is the entire film, and the entire third act of the film is that what's talking about Prometheus and how he stole the fire, and then he was punished for eternity after that by the gods for doing that act. Bringing that hum- that fire that down to the humanity, and th- 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 like that that is the story, going back to even that the apple in the beginning, being of Adam and Eve, this temptation, like this film is full of great metaphors. Now some of them actually didn't happen in real life. I do understand that there's been a, this giant controversy about the apple. Once again, this is a movie. It is just showing the once again temptation. And how you can take a brash action. And then that moment he chose to back away from it. Instead of poisoning uh, his, his professor. But then later on, he takes that step forward into the abyss. I think that those are such interesting things to talk about. It's such... Like this... This, this is going to sound weird. I think that Barbie is the big picture look at society. And I think Oppenheimer is the bring it down to how like you personally handle these situations the smaller scope yeah and i i've always talked about in general how like those more intimate stories are the ones that work for me it's really weird to talk about how like oppenheimer was an intimate story about, about about grief and about intelligence and about what you do with that power and i think that's like that's another thing that's so interesting to me is just like I, I, I really wish that Christopher Nolan would kind of talk more about this kind of stuff. Because in some ways, and I know that I'm going to make a lot of people mad, and probably, like, if he heard this, I'd make him mad. I feel like he's a, I feel like he's a narcissist in a lot of ways. He's very pompous. Pompous is what I think of every time I hear the man talk, or talk about things. Pompous. As somebody who, like, has followed directors forever, a lot of them are kind of narcissistic. It, like it, it kind of comes with the territory it feels like talk about hey this is my film this is how it changed the film landscape oh we didn't get to talk about that great dig for francis Cor- for francis ford coppola and the godfather for barbie but um oh yeah um, that was really i felt called out there and i guess i feel i'm feeling called out now as i'm i still haven't seen godfather john would you like to talk through it for me <laughs> yeah i don't feel called out at all uh, but um like even just thinking about the film and talking about it now, like I'm get I'm getting that high back again, getting that vibe. Like, like the, this is there's been two films this year. The moment that they ended, I was like, I want to go back and read the second and watch it again. The first was Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, and the second one was this, a three hour long film. Like if I didn't have to get up the next morning for work early, I would have bought it, walk because we went to a later later showing, um, and I would have I, mean, I would have turned right around and bought another ticket. That was how much I enjoyed this film. It, it's three hours, but it doesn't feel like three hours. Not for me. Not for a long so- shot. It really felt like I just sat down. And that that's how enraptured I was with this film. It felt like three hours for me. 
Really? Yeah. Because, like... The, yeah, I feel like the, it I feel like, like the editing of this film is so brisk, so quick. I mean, speaking of The Godfather, I think you're going to watch that, and I think you're going to be like, why is this dragging on I don't forever? think I'm going to like that movie, which is why I haven't seen it. But, like, this film is it's just... Like, yes, I have problems with the way that Christopher Nolan treats women. I think that there is a better version of this film that could be made from that side of things. Do I think that Florence Pugh is the... Uh, this is where this is where I, I, I get into a conundrum. Do I think that Florence Pugh is giving a good performance? Yes, I do. Do I think that she does anything in this movie? No, but she's... And that's a, how she was written. That's how she's written, but that I, once again... This is where it becomes, I don't know history. Like, I don't know this person in history. So, was this all that she was in his life? Well, if the answer is to that is yes, well then what, do I blame Nolan for putting that in there? I don't think I do, because the, the way that it comes up in the third act of the film, I, mean, I don't know if it's the third act of the film. I think it's actually before they drop the bomb that this comes up. Yeah. But point, but point being, it's an important thing to bring up to damage, because the whole point is damaging this person. Throwing more rocks at this person who's already down. That's the whole point. And bringing that up is not only hurting himself, but it's hurting his dynamic that he has with his family. Whether how toxic that is or not, that's not for me to decide. That's their relationship. That's what they decided on. And Oppenheimer flat says that he and his wife have walked through fire together because of some stupid decisions that they both have made. But they have made themselves a better, hypothetically a better unit for that. And they figured out their dynamic. That's that's text in the film. I don't know what the text of history is. I'm not there. I can't speak to it. I'm that's. I am excited to read the book, no matter how dry it is, and to go back and rewatch this film. I am so excited to go back and rewatch this film. It, it's, like, it's so weird for me to say this film is a life when this film is once again taking life. It's about this destruction, and I can't. I can't figure it out like it goes even back to like i was just mentioning before the score of the film and how like i feel like it's just drowning it out at times but at times i'm like i love the score i love how just like it feels like it feels like when oppenheimer's not having these moments of breakthroughs these moments of genius that the score kind of is just making noise but then when he gets to that breakthrough it feels like a crescendo up to this actual musical score and like that, what's that? That yes, that's pretentious. Yes, that might not work for a lot of people, but for me, like that—that's cinema. That is what I live for: is to see all of these things, all of these aspects of a film, from the production design to the the cinematography to the score to the acting. They're all congealing together to make this perfect mesh of art. And I think that's another thing which I love is like there's that scene at the beginning where. Oppenheimer's looking at Picasso. And like in my head, that that like that's where I also go to the, that's Nolan. He's looking at these films that have come out. He's like, nope, I see what they are. How can I make them better? How can I improve it with my quote unquote genius? And then we get a film like this. And, th- and that's what I'm saying. Like it's pretentious. He's being narcissistic. Like he's looking at Oppenheimer as himself and saying, Okay, like, <laughs> I'm, I don't want, I, I know this is like a horrible thing for me to compare, but like, Christopher Nolan really helped bring in this new era of superhero films. This, I mean, there's two things that did Iron Man and The Dark Knight. They both came out in the same year. 
and they were both looked at as these masterpieces of the superhero genre. And Nolan is looking back at his time on The Dark Knight and be like, why did I unleash this to the world? Because he, like, he probably hates it. Like, if you look back, at, like, if you look forward now at all the things that Nolan's doing, they're very anti, quote-unquote, anti-establishment, anti-crowd-pleasing. Like, this is not, like, a quote-unquote crowd-pleasing movie, which is why it's so weird to come out in summer. It's so weird that it's doing really well at the box office. And it's just, like... I mean, I think it has Barbie to thank for so many things here because <laughs> Barbenheimer, like, I think only helped elevate Oppenheimer. But even without, like, Barbie, I would have walked into this film and been like, yeah, this is great. And I feel like I am the highest of the highs on this and you guys are just kind of like, nah, to the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, it's, I enjoyed watching it. I thought, I think it's a great movie, but I will probably never watch it again. Um, I definitely won't go see it in the theaters. Like, it's not a... Uh, knock against it but it's three hours long and i've seen it and i got what i wanted out of it if so if i like people are over at someone's house and they're like you want to watch watch it i'd be like sure but it's not something i would ever seek out again like barbie though i would like when it hits streaming or whatever i will seek that out and if someone wants to go this week for instance to watch the movie i'd 100 go um the, okay the thing that i would say is like where i agree with this is yes like if a group of people wanted to go out and watch barbie i would go with them but to have like that self-reflection time, to have that time of just like myself and this art form that I have loved forever, I would easily go to Oppenheimer. I would go sit in that theater. Like no one else needs to be there. It could just be me, the projectionist, and the movie. And I would be completely enthralled with the film. So like I would easily go back to this again. But once again, it, it's, a, it's a very different vibe. And let's do, let's do our ratings. And I, I want to get to that question that I asked everybody at the start of the show. And then we'll head over to our top five. But my, my rating for Oppenheimer, I mean, it's a see it. I think that this film has just as much to say about our society, about our world, as Barbie does. It might not be the hitting it on the nose like Barbie does. So it's not like saying, here's the problem. Let's figure out a way to fix it. This is saying the world is just this chaotic place. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know what new bomb is going to go off. We don't know what new genius is going to come from over here. We don't know who's sinister, like who's sitting in the shadows trying to plot our demise. We don't know all those things. But we still have to figure out how to live with ourselves. How to live with our society. And how to live with the consequences of our actions. Whether they be as small as stepping on an ant or as big as creating one of the most horrifying weapons that the world has ever seen. Oppenheimer is easily a see it. See it on the biggest screen possible. Like, I, I know this is playing in 70mm IMAX. Uh, if it's playing anywhere near you. Like, I know it's like I know to my friends who are living in LA and New York and Chicago, it's nearly impossible right now to get tickets until next week for this show. But... Once you get the, once you get that time, once you can get a ticket to see this show in seventy millimeter, do it, see it. I am definitely gonna rush out to see this film again. I'm so excited, Samantha. You're rating for Oppenheimer. So my emotional response is stream it, but I think I have to say see it because it is very pretty. Mine is also a see it. It's not as emphatic as Barbie's see it was, but it's definitely a great movie. 
it has its own it has its flaws. But like I said, I don't regret watching it. It didn't I I was I realized it was three hours while watching it, but it wasn't like a long dragging three hours. So yeah. It moved along at a quick pace and was beautiful like Samantha said. So if you agree or disagree with any of our takes here on Oppenheimer, you can email us at phomologyshow at gmail.com. We're going to talk really quick about that question that I asked at the beginning of the show, and then we're going to move into our top five. Which order would you do a double feature in for Barbie and Oppenheimer? I mean, that was the big thing. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Both movies at the same like not at the same time. That would be a weird Wizard of Oz, Pink Floyd type of thing. I don't think that would work. But, like, which... Which order do you do? Do you do Barbie first? Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? Barbie? Which way do you go? I know which way I'd go, but uh, Samantha, where, which order would you go? Mine is probably the inverse of yours. Go see Oppie first and then end with Barbie. Mostly because with the way I like these movies, it would be ending on a high note. And I think with how dark... Oppenheimer is, it might be nice to end up on a bright, happy note. Mike, which order would you watch the two in? I would watch Barbie twice. I'm just kidding. Um, I just want to say I think it's just effective marketing, personally, because I don't really think they make a good doubleheader myself. Um, but I would go with Samantha and watch Oppenheimer first and then Barbie. And while, of course, it's great marketing, but it's marketing I feel it should be talked about because it's genius marketing, uh, I would do... Uh, Barbie and then Oppenheimer. Yeah, Barbie and then Oppenheimer. What'd you guys say? We said the opposite of that. Opposite. Okay. Uh, sorry, I I I, 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 I... The reason why... I just want to make sure he's contrarian. Well, yeah. no, no, the reason why I said that was because in my head... Like, this is going to sound so, like, once again, just talking about people who are narcissistic. I'm sorry. Like, the way that I see it in my head is the way that it should be seen. And this is the reason why is because, like, I don't want to end on that positive note. I want to go out there and ponder this. Like, I love a film that makes me think about the deeper things, that makes me look inward at myself. Like, those are the things that I love and that torment me. Like, Samantha, do you remember when I watched The Seventh Seal? Yeah. Like, I was... Freaking out. I was, like, thrown into another world for, like, another, like, week after seeing that film. Like, that... I, I, I sadly didn't reach that same level, but like that vibe that I had leaving the theater was that same vibe. And I just, I, I can't put my finger on exactly how amazing that is. And I feel like if I went into the, the party world of Barbie after that, um, nothing would sit right with you. Because you'd be like, Barbie, you can't be happy. Everything's going to get bombed. Well, it wouldn't be like that, but it would just be like, like, Barbie, like, clearly you're delusional and you have no clue what's actually going on. Why don't you actually figure out what's going on instead of just living your life like they do in the, the I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world song, just being completely, being completely oblivious to the world that's going on. I, that, that's just not, I, if I, if I ever do the double feature, that is going to be the, the method that I do. Barbie and then Oppenheimer and that was originally Samantha that was when I bought tickets that was what I was going to do and then I was like I can't sit through six hours at the movie theater um it's just not what yeah I know can't you like sit through and watch like all the Marvel movies in a row or something like that or am I confusing Uh, no uh, no, I I have like 
I have done movie marathons before. Uh, the last one I did was for Captain America uh, Civil War, which was in 2000. Did you, do a Star- did, you not, did you not do a Star Wars one? Or were you just talking to me about it? No, I did. No, well, I Star did. Wars. I did Star Wars. What that came out? That came out. Like, I'm pretty sure Force Awakens came out before Civil War, right? No, I, 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 am not sure about that. I thought like you watched all the up. Never mind. You, you know your life better than I do. I don't know why I'm arguing with you. Sorry. <laughs> well, now, now, now I need to look it up. But <laughs> I was just confused. I thought, I thought someone I know went to like watch all the Star Wars movies in a row and then watch Episode Nine right after, and I thought it was you. I, I mean, that sounds like Sorry. something he would do. 100% right yeah I don't talk to that many people you're like one of four people I talk to so uh, okay so uh, the Force Awakens came out in 2015 and I did do all seven movies for that I did take a nap during the prequels but I did I did do that um, but the last like the last movie marathon that I sat through I was awake for all the entire like all of the films it was Captain America Civil War. It was so what it was. It was Captain America: The First Avenger, uh, The Avengers, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and then Captain America: Civil War, uh, which which was a full day. But once again, that that was back in twenty sixteen. I can't do that anymore. Um, I just my body won't let me sit that long. And I, if I do, I get very uncomfortable, and then I go into this dark depressing place of I did this for my entire day I wasted my entire day I like why did I do this so I don't do that anymore uh, but sitting for three hours watching Oppenheimer like and if I went back to see it again that would have been that would have three hours that would have been, that would have been yeah, six hours they're watching would have been completely happy with that I mean if I did it for a full day then I'd have life regret but we're going to play a clip here from Barbie since everyone besides myself thinks that's the better film. And we'll be back on the other side to talk about our top five double feature movies. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh I, I have feelings that I can't explain. Driving me insane All my life been so polite But I'll sleep alone tonight Cause I'm just kidding Anywhere else I'd be attained Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blood fragility Alright, and we are back to talk about our top five double features in honor of Barbenheimer. So, as Mike mentioned before, the clever marketing from Warner Brothers Universal was making a double feature. Go see both. Have a great, fantastic time at the cinema. So, we thought in honor of that, let's talk about double feature movies that kind of go together. They could go together because maybe it's the same director can't be a sequel though so you can't say the godfather the godfather part two same thing with uh harry potter and the deathly hollows part one you can't say part two that's cheating like films that they could have the same tone it, some it might not even be the same tone it could be like little tiny nuggets of things that carry over from one to the other maybe like a barbie and oppenheimer how they have t- little tiny things uh like care motivations that go through such as barbie uh struggling and finding out what life is and oppenheimer trying to gra- grapple with the life that he has lost 
things like that. Really, we get ten films to talk about today, each each of us. Samantha, would you like to start off with your number five, and then talk about why it would be a good double feature and like the order that you would watch it in? My number five is The Wedding Singer and Twenty Seven Dresses. Both feature a male love interest that is disenfranchised with the wedding business, but falls in love with somebody who is enthralled. And I like both of those rom-coms, and I thought they fit well together. And I would start with The Wedding Singer and Ed with 27 Dresses. I didn't put these in order. I'm sorry. I just made five of them. Um, but my bottom one that I wrote last is Don't Tell the, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead and Adventures in Babysitting, which obviously have themes of babysitting, but are also kind of like coming-of-age things, and I enjoy both of them. They're both fun movies that don't get talked about enough. Did we watch one of those? Did I make you watch one of those yet? I'm sorry, I was not listening. I heard Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, and then I missed the second one. Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, no, you have not made me watch either of them. Uh, I've not actually seen uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, and Adventures in Babysitting, I've seen. It's fine. It has Thor in it. I thought you'd like it. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It, it's... Yeah. That's praise. I accept, I accept that. Well, my number five. It might be the biggest cheat on my list. Because I said we're not doing part ones and part twos. Jonathan. But this isn't a part one and a part two. It is a original film. Part A and part B. Eh, kind of, oh. I guess. It's an original film. And then it's a film that plagiarized that film. <laughs> and it's um, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window and then it's uh, Disturbia, the one starring uh, Shia LaBeouf. And then, of course, I, I put Rear Window first because, I mean, that was that was the original. Like, you should watch that film and realize how phenomenal it is. Like, I was, I was talking earlier about, like, films that, like, put me in a completely, like, different realm, like, when I, after the, I was watching it. And Rear Window did that for me. Like, I, I watched it, and I'm... This this was, I think I watched it like. As I, as I was getting like ready to go to film school and everything, like I, I had been accepted to to, co- to the school or accepted college, and I, I was like you know what? I gotta brush up on films. I had to brush up on all these things I haven't seen. So I, I was watching Hitchcock, uh, a lot of Hitchcock. And I watched Rear Window for the first time, and I was like, what happened? Like I I just watched a perfect movie. And it, it, it's just one of those things that just doesn't happen that often, and it was so nice to watch. And uh, Disturbia is, like I said, it, it plagiarizes it, but it, it does it in a way that is still unique and it modernizes what's going on. And I think it's it, as much crap as I'm giving to Disturbia, I think it does make for a good double feature to watch, hey, what would happen if we modernize this, put it in a more contemporary setting? So, just. Uh, just to be a jerk, and I want to bring this up when we talked about this for Eagle Eye. Yeah, they actually was sued not for copying the movie, but for copying the book that uh, was the inspiration for Rear Window. Oh, so 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 we're we're, we're, we're nitpicking here because no and has... it got thrown out because the judge was very clear about it not being plagiarism. It was just similar on a high level of generality. Oh, that's not right at all. Is this like <laughs> the Lion King the and Kimba? Yeah. I, I think, I having watched both movies, if you think Disturbia is actually plagiarized from her window, I don't think you're, I don't think there'd be a lot of other movies being released because of how close a lot of plots are to each other. 
I mean, go go look at the poster for Disturbia and look at the poster for Rear Window. It's it's the same poster. Then you gotta talk to the poster artist. That doesn't have to do with the content of the movie. It, it, it's still the, the exact poster. content of the movie. He's watching somebody being murdered. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is holding up a camera and looking through that. And uh, Shia LaBeouf is holding up a pair of binoculars and looking through that. Relatively the same thing. <laughs> Just saying. It's like slightly off, but I... I so every like detective movie though is like hey this guy like i don't know lethal weapon they discover a bad guy go shoot him and then i don't know turn and hooch they discover a bad guy and go shoot him that's the same but it's not it's not it's not the same plot it's not the exact same hey the villain has this motive to go through at the end it's it's different because of the dynamics if a the characters involved so turner hooch obviously is completely different than lethal weapon um and then it's also about the bad guys how the bad guy interacts with them the bad guy for both these films, oh crap, I'm being caught. Let me figure out a way to get out of this situation, which is to basically say, nope, you didn't see anything, that didn't happen. But it's not like, I don't know, I I, I really, I really, I'll really, i be honest, I haven't seen Disturbia in a long time, but... I respect what you're saying, I just feel like there's a lot of plots and a lot of books that, if we were to say one was, that was like, Rear Window, Disturbia were too close to each other, I think you'd wipe out a ton of movies and a ton of books just because of how general that was i don't know i we, we'll just agree to disagree because that's not what we're talking about i just wanted to point that out because last time during eagle eye i forgot to all right samantha your number four my number four is the time traveler's wife and kate and leopold once again they're kind of i i don't know if i want to say rom-coms but romance time travel themed movies that i like I like the book better for Time Traveler's Wife. I don't know. I do that. One of those is like, so which one did you watch first? Time Traveler's Wife. Is it because it's more of the depressing film? Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. So you really you really like a good ca- uh, palate cleanser. I do. Versus myself, You're I... You're like, let me spiral, and I'm like, no, I no, don't want no, to. No, no, tell me. You, you, you think I'm spiraling. I look at that as I am having a creative like mindset like where i'm open to all the possibilities of the world i'm open to like everything it's like it's it's like being on drugs without being on drugs it's, it's like a great feeling <laughs> just just want to put it out there that's that, that's the vibe wow. of it wow versus the palate cleanser i don't like the which is why i don't like the palate cleanser anyway uh mike i don't need to get into this whole thing mike uh you're number four um but my number four is stand by me and now and then uh, Stand By Me, fantastic Stephen King adaptation. Uh, and then Now and Then is kind of like a, like a young girls growing up type thing, kind of like Stand By Me's bunch of young guys. And they're very similar. Um, I think they would make good back-to-back. All right. Uh, well, well, my number four. Now, I am really going back and forth on how I want to pair the two. I think I'm going to go with my initial thought here for the list which i had down um it's gonna be once again talk about narcissists like film directors the story of film like i, I don't know why i'm on this theme about narcissists but because this film like these two you'll get where i'm going in just a second but um uh my number four hugo and the fablemans so hugo 
Uh, it's based off of a children's book. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. It's about film and uh, the preservation of film. Story, like, once again, storytelling. Like, this is, like, this is basically Martin Scorsese's big love letter to cinema. And um, how so many films that George Millet's uh, made have been lost to all eternity. They're never going to be found because, I mean, that was all, well over 100 years ago at this point. So they're gone, and that's just pieces of our history, our, our, of our film film history that are just gone forever. And The Fablemans is kind of taking a newer approach at that. It's taking a look at a director who's up and coming, who is figuring out his entire life and figuring out all these films that he's going to be making that won't be lost to society. Because, I mean, The Fablemans is, Samantha's been telling me, is... George Lucas, the George Lucas, excuse me, Steven Spielberg's version of going to therapy and how he's just processing his entire life in that film, which is why that film for me feels so raw and authentic, which is once again, those are things that I like and both these films should be seen. I mean, every film on my list, every film on all of our lists should be seen. So number four, uh, Hugo and the Fablemans. My number three is Scream and Happy Death Day. I just think they're good takes off of, like, slasher, basically. I just realized I have one I really wanted on my list, and it's not. Honorable Mention City. Actually, I think I'm going to remove my number one, and that's going to be the new Honorable Mention. Whoa. Yeah. I know it's... uh are wild. Controversial, I know. Uh, my next one is Blade Runner and Max Machina, who ex- uh, both explore like personhood, um, artificial intelligence. They're both really great movies. I I I haven't been saying which order I'd watch them in. Just assume whichever order I say them in is probably the order I'd watch them in. My number three, we're going to do some World War II history here. Um, we're going to do Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. The two of them make a great double feature. I mean, Dunkirk is even mentioned in Darkest Hour. Uh, is an event that's happening, and so I thought, hey, why don't you watch this film about Churchill and just all these things that are going on within the political side of World War II, and then you can go watch a battle take place, uh, which is mentioned, and it's, I mean, they're, they're both great films. I know, like, there are some people who don't like Darkest Hour. It's too talky. It's too safe of a film, and I'm like, you know what? Every once in a while, like, I, I know earlier I mentioned I didn't like biopics, but, like, this is a good one because it has actors who are doing a great job and going all at it, and, yeah, I, I liked it. Like, I really liked it. Really liked it. And Dunkirk, of course, Christopher Nolan, is, it's one of his masterpieces. So, uh, that's my number three. This one I feel like John's going to give me flack for. My number two is Land Before Time and Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different movies. One's about grief and one's about... Well, I guess one's about grief and, you know, loss. And maybe the other one is what should have stayed dead. Um, I love it. I mean, I, I have not seen The Land Before Time in ages. So, <laughs> like, you tell me it's about grief. I'm like, is it? it? Is the, it? The mom dies. <laughs> Wait, spoiler alert. I don't think you could spoil a film that's the been out for the past, dies, like, 30 years. The mom dies and it's really sad. But- Dinosaurs, they all died, so it's not a spoiler if the mom well, died. Well, so. in Jurassic Park, maybe she's brought back. <laughs> she's she's in the herd in the beginning, actually. Yeah. It's canon now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm next. Sorry, I forgot about that. 
Uh, my second one is Robin Williams tries to save young people in Dead Poet Society and Goodwill Hunting. I actually love it, Robin Williams, and it's probably the first one I thought of. And they're both fantastic movies that I've watched recently for some reason. So, my number two, Samantha, I'll, I'll be really surprised actually if this isn't on your list. Uh, Game Night and Ready or Not. So close, but no. Like I, one I, of them is. I That's just, a perfect one. I just think that the two of them pair really well together. And th- this is one of those where it doesn't really matter the order that you watch it. In some ways, I think they're both kind of palate cleansers. Uh, while Ready or Not is like a, a horror film, it's more of a horror comedy that does. There's really some good suspense in there, but I, I think they're both really smart comedies. I think there's a lot. I actually, I'd probably put Ready or Not first if you want the palate cleanser, because. Game Night's a better palate cleanser. And Ready or Not does have that bit of social commentary about uh, class societies and everything like that. Um, the social classes and things. But um, So I'll stick with my original order, which was Game Night and then Ready or Not. Because I don't want a palate cleanser. That sounds terrible. My number one is Knives Out and Ready or Not. <laughs> um, the theme is Terrible Families. <laughs> I think that's a good, like, I didn't even think about that, that the pairing of those two, and I, uh, I might have to do a double feature of that now. I do like the Game Night one, though. Let's switch. Um. Well, no, I don't have anything for Knives Out. I mean, I mean, Knives Out, of course, like, Murder on the Orient Express, yeah, okay, whatever, but, like, the, like yours is a bit more clever than that, the one I would have gone with is. So, I, I, I like, I like that pairing. I really like that pairing. I might, I might have to do <laughs> You're that. You're like so surprised. Was it the Land Before Time one that threw you off the scent? I just, in general, I haven't thought about Land Before Time in ages. So that that's just something I never gave two thoughts to in my life ever since I reached the age of seven. Um, Mike, your number one. My number one is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys. Um, basically, detective. Is it both Shane Black? Shane Black detective movies. Because who doesn't love a good Shane Black buddy comedy? I realized that I needed to get a horror film on my list. I don't have it. So why... I have, I have so many different routes to go down. And I was like, well, why not just go down the path to the cabin in the woods? So let's go with The Evil Dead and The Cabin in the Woods. I mean, both with the cabin of the woods. I mean, both kind of redefining the genre. Like I, I think that the cabin of the woods has brought on this whole like meta text of film that we've been getting a lot of. I mean, maybe it didn't like bring bring it in, but it popular popularized it a bit. Um, so I think that's a really important film, a lot of fun, and um, I would like to talk about honorable mentions because I do have one that got kicked off, and I am. Kind of upset that got kicked off. But uh, does anyone else have any honorable mentions that they'd like to go before I rattle off a few? I thought making five was hard enough. So I stopped there. But I did kind of find it as a fun activity to do to try to think of weird pairings. I have no... Same, basically. Okay, well, I'll just... I'll, I'll go through a couple here that I came up with that I... Like, I, 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 I came up with a few. Um, Ratatouille and Chef. Uh, Ratatouille, obviously, the Pixar movie. Chef, the John Favreau uh, food truck movie. 
Oh, for oh, I thought you were saying the the rich person island one, and I was horrified. <laughs> what it, what is that one? Chef. No, so they're on the island, and there's a the menu. The menu. The menu. Oh. <laughs> No, that, that, that might be a good one, actually. I, I mean, was horrified. I was like, oh. what are you doing? Uh, I mean, for that, you, I think you would need more of the palate cleanser. That's why I was so uh, shocked. And you're like, what? Why didn't I think of that? Maybe I'm good at oh, this, guys. Like, is this my new talent? I Because yeah, most of mine are like pretty common. Like It's just the themes and the like, story arcs and things like that that are tied over. Like You're actually coming up with some unique things here. I didn't do that. So uh, in, let's see here. Uh, another uh, another one I... I propose there's a new segment where Samantha just enlightens us on a great double feature every week. Uh, uh, so, so some more options that I had. Um, 12 Angry Men and Just Mercy... Uh, the Apartment in 500 Days of Summer, 1917 and War Horse, uh, the, the two, uh, three more, uh, Her and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, La La Land and the Young Girls of Rashford, and then the one that kind of kills me to not have on my list, uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and The Edge of Seventeen. So... I, 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 have to, I guess I have to go rewatch The Land Before Time and Jurassic Park. Yeah. Let's cry together. I don't think I'm going to cry at this movie. I think I am. <laughs> All right. Next week's show, because I think this has been the longest show that we've ever done. Next week might be the shortest show we'll ever do. Let's find out. Next week, we're going to be talking about... Uh, Haunted Mansion, not The Haunted Mansion, that is a 2003 film that's really bad. This is just Haunted Mansion, uh, the new Disney film based on the beloved attraction, and then the latest A24 horror film, Talk to Me, which I am excited for. Samantha Samantha has said that she would even go. So yeah, to, uh, Haunted Mansion, Talk to Me, and our top five, tying in with Haunted Mansion, is going to be top five haunted house haunted house movies so movies that feature a haunted house samantha might be time to grab a candle grab a bible and what if i don't have a top five (laughs) what if i'm too scared to have a top five so if you ever want to check out past episodes of this very show you can head over to filmologyshow.com that's where we find past written reviews all the way back to 2013 and top five list polls, all that and more over at filmologyshow.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter. No, not Twitter. We're never on Twitter again. Uh, threads. Uh, Facebook, Threads, Instagram, all Filmology Show. You can always email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com with any comments, questions, concerns. Want to tell us how we don't understand Barbie or how... I think that I'm like you want to tell me how I'm overthinking Barbie. Possibly I am, but it's okay. Uh, you can always email us to let us know your thoughts and opinions on the films that we have discussed on this week's show. And I think that's gonna be it, guys. Thank you, Mike and Samantha, for jo- for joining me on this cinematic journey. And we'll see you guys in- next week. Enjoy your weekend film. Bye. Bye. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.